0: to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. I'm your host, Mike Gravano, and this season we're digging into 2001, this week specifically. talking about David Lynch's Mall, Holland Drive. Here to just hopefully tell me exactly what the fuck I watched this week is the winner of last week, I hope I got that right, Ryan.
1: Why is it so hard? We've all hosted now. Why is it so fucking hard to remember who won not but 7 days ago? Because it's, when you're the host, it
2: doesn't matter to you it, at it's all. the, the <laughs> least <laughs> important thing. <laughs> the other two people are trying so hard to get it and you were just barely paying attention.
1: Also, and the rules of winning is to become the person's best friend, but that's by like leaving muffin baskets on the doorstep and yeah. then running away as fast as no, you no. can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Ryan, yes, delicious. My no, normally I go for blueberry, but that lemon poppy. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you.
1: They were made with this ingredient of love cream. Mm, <laughs> gross.
0: I thought they were saltier than a muffin should be. The person who thinks that's gross, that friendship among adult men is gross, is Greg.
2: Well, I think you're kind of taking what I said out of context. I just think your friendship no. specific. No, okay, sorry. I was oh,
0: okay. You've just said something a lot of our mothers and wives have said. That our <laughs> friendship specifically. <laughs> and is- therapists,
2: <laughs> to be fair.
0: Therapists to be therapists. Mall Holland Drive. Well, I don't think we have time to just dick around and <laughs> yeah. ask each other about our lives. Hey Gentlemen. Patreon,
1: uh, if you uh, subscribe to Patreon, you can go listen to that clip, and that's just us fucking around. Like we don't have time right now. Like this part right now that I'm doing, I guess this is fucking around. Like we don't even have time for this thing that I'm doing right now.
2: And if I pick Silencio. up from here and then also do the same Silencio. thing, there's definitely not enough time for me to do it. <laughs> As well, certainly.
0: How had your <laughs> experience been with Mulholland Drive before this?
2: I saw uh, it like, one time in two thousand and one, and I don't think I had any idea who David Lynch was, or I—I th- I heard it was an unusual movie, but I had like no idea, and nothing, nothing prepared me for what I was seeing.
1: <laughs> I think that. An unusual movie is that's a good place to start and end, I would say. I don't know if there's <laughs> anything else to do. Um, so
0: let's just cut out early.
1: I've seen it a bunch of times now, and uh, but this is the first week that I ever paid attention because there's points on the line. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why else you would watch a movie. And I will say yeah, it, guys. So. I know it's becoming a uh, cliche at this point, but Mike, go ahead. Tell Drop Pad to hit the button with all the thunder and the lightning and the drum rolls and the trumpets.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the closest to thunder we have.
1: This is the best movie that Movie of the Year has ever done.
0: <laughs> I think My, that's Drop Droppad agreeing.
1: Mike, did you tell Droppad that we don't have time to fuck around or what's going on right now? <laughs> uh,
0: I, I tried, but no. is what Droppad had to say to me. The best movie. Greg, how do you feel about that statement? Too bold? Not bold enough?
2: I, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I think it's the best movie that, that we've ever seen for the show, but it is it feels like there's a chance it's going to the top of the leaderboard for 2001. And I would say it's certainly in contention. Um, it's always a little more clear at the end of the, 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 the episode where we talk about the movie, uh, just exactly how excited we are by it. But I think there's certainly it has the markers of a of a movie that does very well in our show, which is it's hard to understand. I feel like I could watch it again right now and get things that I didn't get before. I feel For like there's sure. questions that are brought up that are never like fully answered in a way that just seeing the movie a couple times can like provide you with the the answers. One thing I resisted doing very very strongly, although I wanted to do it, was um I really wanted to like look up what people said about Mm. this movie or like how people have parsed its meaning. But I wanted to instead come into the show basically only having the movie to go by and trying to put together some understanding of it because I I didn't want to go outside and find something that felt like exterior to the movie. I only wanted my understanding to be informed by the
1: interior of the movie.
2: (laughs) And And we'll see how successful that was.
1: I think that's super important because like... It's the, it's this like cloud that it picks you up and like carries you from your, uh, our individual screening rooms that we all have in our mansions to the studio, which is also very large. People are telling me. And, <laughs> uh, not d- just on those feelings though, not necessarily, it's not even like, um, you know, this person is this person. And it's not even necessarily like, I think the blue key represents, hope or whatever but just just the like ethereal feeling that carries you into this conversation i think is going to be the most interesting part about this you know because it's not about finding the perfect it's not about all agreeing on something and saying yeah we figured it out but i just kind of want to know like what did we all fucking go through on this
2: yeah that's the interesting question like what can we do we even have like some sort of experience with this movie that is like a unified experience (laughs) or do we all like see very wildly different things
0: yeah, this, this is one of those movies that, like, based on most people's reactions, not most people's, based on people's reactions, lets you know that, like, people want different, generally want different things out of books than movies. Because yeah. the amount of anger Mark. that there's not a clear it means this uh, on the internet is crazy. And so many people are like, I mean, interesting performances. Enjoyed the whole thing. Doesn't mean anything. One star. Like, people were... <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, scripto,
1: get out of all, here.
0: It was all compliments, except you said, I don't know what it means, so it means it's bad.
2: It yeah, very much reminds me of, like, postmodern literature, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a real, like, Don DeLillo style of, like, just the most absurd combination of things all going on at the same time. Like, for instance, the espresso scene, like in the middle of a business meeting, this really intimidating Italian businessman <laughs> wanting an espresso, and just that whole, like, comedic way it plays out in the kind of gross way, because he ends up, like, spitting it out, and there's just so much weird tension in the scene.
1: I mean, spitting, yeah, but, like, it's it's more just like, I'm gonna open my mouth out. And it don't like, even, falls out. It's so disgusting, I don't even have the energy to spit. I'm just gonna let it fall out. Mike, going back to what you said, I think that this movie has been important to me for a long time. And I think this rewatch this week finally showed me why. And I think that it's, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. And, but if it's not the best movie ever made, I think it's the best movie at being a movie ever made. And what I mean by that is that lot, there's lots of great everything, albums and books and movies and TV shows. But they could be something else. They could do another thing. This is the thing that utilizes what it means to be a movie better than anything I have ever seen in my life. If you if you read the book, let's uh, pick something that totally random, uh, like The Wizard of Oz or some Frank Baum book, then maybe you don't need to see the movie, right? Like you got you got most of what you needed to. But this is this is the moviest movie I think that has ever been made, and I think we're all sort of downhill from here. I, th- I think that like this might be in this particular way the pinnacle of filmmaking.
0: I wish I could give points in this segment.
1: You oh, you're the host, bro. You can literally I... give points. Ryan did did it bother
2: you at all though that the whole thing was recorded? Ryan. Well, Do you mean Ryan like anxious. they filmed it? Yeah, the whole the whole thing was recorded.
0: <laughs> that it wasn't a play?
2: <laughs> uh the uh the like the ver- like look like, sort of like the very center of the movie or not really, but the emotional center of the movie is that Silencio theater part and he keeps saying all of this is recorded there's no band it's all recorded and it reminded me so much of like david lynch like looking at the audience and being like it, you guys this is just a movie it's not like a real thing stop trying to figure <laughs> out what's real and what's not real in my movie it's it's a movie it's recorded i recorded it
1: but yeah if we can get to it right, right. now and mike i don't know if this is allowed but uh crazy the silencio part is i think uh like it, it backs up so much of how i feel about the thing too. because
0: no, keep talking.
1: Uh, because the message you're giving me is much Mixed different. Mixed messages. Keep to- yeah, on that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that was a little Lynchian, don't you think? Like <laughs> the extremes of everything. But, um, it's a, it's a crazy play. Plays are supposed to be like you know the height of acting and bringing emotion out of people through stories. Um, but they tell you it's all recorded, and it doesn't change the audience's reaction to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. Though. It, it, it
2: does in one way though, doesn't it?
1: But it's because... all. It's it's basically just saying that if. I, I mean, I think the people at home are saying, well, then this doesn't matter. But then yeah. you're saying just like movies in general don't matter. Mm. This th- It's this like sort of Brechtian moment where they're saying, this play is you know recorded and uh th- they're not actually doing this. But that's what we are watching, Greg. Like what you said, this was all recorded. We're watching that every time we're watching a movie. It doesn't yeah. affect the power. Movies wow. are the most powerful medium. We don't have <laughs> a booty Broadway of the year or fucking AOTY album of the year it's movie of the year and david lynch is the reason The, the vote the for me that
0: is <laughs> the, 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 i'd rather vote for lynch i think but the wildest is uh you're like i get what this play is doing once the trumpet player uh-huh. stops and then the lady starts singing and each breath is so in time that when she collapses and the song keeps singing you're like you got me again weird yeah. play you got me again
2: and that's the only thing i would say i would the only thing i would like have a caveat with what you said ryan because the women are are bawling when they're hearing this woman sing and they have forgotten again like the audience has for like the third time that this is all recorded and they're like crying because they're both coming i think at that moment to like realizations about their relationship but when she it's revealed that it is a recording they both look really embarrassed that they've been crying because the Mm -hmm. idea that they've been crying at her recorded voice and not at a woman really singing live yeah like i think that totally (laughs) speaks
1: to (laughs) how movie audiences handle with like they've uh, mostly dudes, like they fucking tricked me. And then on, to top it all off, it's all like judged upon by some sort of Hunger Games esque leader who is like in a balcony with blue hair looking down yeah. on all of the majesty.
0: Yeah, uh, when Cap picked up Thor's hammer at the end of End Game, spoilers, <laughs> and I was bawling. I just kept saying, "I can't believe they tricked me. I can't believe this isn't really happening in front of me." Whereas, Whereas I, I was
1: like, "How did they get that footage? That's so crazy. <laughs> they had a cameraman there for that
2: crazy war." I wrote down in my notes blue and then equals means something question mark cuz like I would see like her blue hair and then the whole stage gets blue and then they that's where right. like they're introduced to the blue cube but we've already seen like the blue key a lot but I was right, like okay a cool point, because
0: blue <laughs> means something blue
2: means something <laughs> you guys I've got I've got an important clue here right. somewhere david lynch is like shit he crap goes. <laughs> I gave it away <laughs> gave up the whole uh, game
0: uh, gentlemen, I have to say it and mean it this time. Silencio. Okay. Uh, we are digging un- an unprecedented amount into the middle of this yeah. movie, but that's uh, the way this movie works. Now we're going to rewind and go back to the beginning <laughs> of the show. Uh, I will let the listeners know that at, before we even started talking and they started earning uh, unprecedented points in the intro, <laughs> Greg had three and Ryan had two. If you want to figure out why, go over to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter and listen to the Mahal and Drive bonus episode. With all that being said, I am only excited and slightly horrified to figure out what else we talk about. Let's take a break.
1: Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called YourPopFilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to pop filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie. Everything is there at YourPotFilter.com. While you're there, go to YourPotFilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and movie of the year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's movie of the year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Mahal and Drive originally started as a pilot for ABC,
0: and a large portion of the film was shot in 1999 with Lynch's plan to keep it open ended for a potential series. After viewing David Lynch's cut, however, the network rejected it because <laughs> they didn't expect. <laughs> a David Lynch-type thing for ABC. <laughs> Lynch decided to finish it as a feature and a fuck you, and the half-pilot, half-feature result, along with Lynch's character style, has left the general meaning of the film's events open to interpretation. David has declined to offer an explanation <laughs> of his intentions for the narrative, leaving audiences, critics, and cast members to speculate on what transpires, be it dreams, alternative realities, or hell itself. But he did give the film the tagline, a love story in the city of dreams. <laughs> He taste buds, I ask. You, taste buds, I ask you this: How does "quote unquote" getting the film affect enjoying it? Can we at least break down the movie into two thirds dream, one third reality? Is to start to figuring this out?
1: First of all, I, I I can't imagine a world where Lynch is like fine. You can take my movie and cut it up however you want, but I have full tagline privileges. <laughs> I'm the one who will write the tagline, and it's this. I, second of all, it's the funniest joke he's ever written. The uh, is it funnier than? Um, Having Naomi Watts ask uh, Rita, Camila, Gil- Gilda, whoever, uh, have you ever done this before? And her as an amnesiac being yeah. like, I don't know. Okay,
2: is it funnier than when <laughs> Naomi Watts disappears and Camila turns around and goes, right. Donde esta? <laughs> but I also... That, is it funnier like, than put, having Billy Ray Cyrus being the guy that your wife is cheating on you with? <laughs>
1: Uh, Mike, now I have this picture of ABC executives, like, because <laughs> the story goes that uh, the executive put it on in the background while he was like filling out paperwork <laughs> or like signing his name, and then at the end he was like, "I don't like it." But instead, because it's ABC, it's like, uh, "Look, we have a spot in between Sabrina and Boy Meets World on TGIF." David Lynch, what would what do you think could go there? <laughs>
0: I've heard his name. I'm not familiar with his work, but I know it's great. Let's let's see what it'll bring. That us. was my
2: experience of of this movie, by the way. I was vaguely aware that I'd heard the name David Lynch. I've never seen Dune. I've never seen Blue Velvet. Dude. I've never seen. Have you even heard of Dune, Greg? I have heard of Dune. Yeah, I've I like I've never I've, I love the book, but I've just like never for whatever reason been interested in his version of it. Now I kind of am because this movie is so it's, good. You
0: should check it out. It's real bad. Yeah. If you've ever wanted to see Captain Picard run into a full war holding a bulldog, I mean, (laughs) check out this movie.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's like a different, a different side of Dune than what I'm actually into. But I had like no awareness of who (laughs) this guy was or what he did. And the movie does a really good job of like taking you from novitiate of David Lynch to like what the experience is. I think at least. I think I got the full experience from this.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it does hold your hand until you don't realize that, you know, uh, it's let go of your hand. Yeah, And I think that's sort of perfect with this kind of movie is that, you know, OK, there was a you know, assassination attempt and now we're sort of in a friendship story <laughs> and this is all about Hollywood and now they're falling in love and i think that's all very purposeful so the the creepiness yeah. sort of sneaks in yeah. and really doesn't come in like into full play with the exception of a couple of people behind a couple of dumpsters doesn't come into <laughs> full play until Riot. you know like the last 45 minutes or so and yeah. i think that's very purposeful and i think the the, the, the first 2 hours is like It's like a movie. Like we get to watch like a Hollywood movie. I think the idea also. I think a lot of times when we see
2: a movie that is challenging, like this, challenging to understand exactly what's going on, we reach for like what one reality explains why this movie is like this. Is it hell? Because Mm. then I understand. Is it is it a dream? Because then I understand. But I think this movie is a little bit like a cubist painting in that, like, it can only be understood as having multiple perspectives at all times. And so you can't ever say it's just one thing because it's both a dream and hell and reality and a movie and a look at culture all at the same time. It's not just one thing ever. It's never being just one thing.
1: And I think that makes uh, to suggest that, like, you're really searching for the answer, I think makes David Lynch yawn, you know, like he is just... Mm. He's fully out there saying I, uh, there isn't one thing and you should watch it. And then how about you tell me what you think? I mean, it's because a movie about
2: the perils so, of trying to find one answer, isn't it? It's about the perils of how we know there. if there's something evil behind the building, we have to go there and find it. If there's
1: a if there's a, a key, we have to find the lock. And, and all the thing th- that dooms the relationship, that basically dooms the reality that we know in the beginning, is when right. we're given that typical Hollywood plot line of the two girls saying... <gasps> We have a mystery to solve, you know? And then Mm -hmm. they they jump in the mystery machine and then they go figure it out. And that all unravels. But I think Lynch is like tricking us into saying like, oh, I guess this is what you want. It's not what you're going to get. But this is what you want. Is this like watching two teen detectives solve crimes and fall in love?
0: Yeah, and that's why uh, Naomi watched 2.0. Let's call it in the last five minutes of the movie. Diane asks the bumbling hitman, uh, with the blue key opens, and he just cackles yeah. for a long, long time. That's cause David he's like, Lynch. I read baby. the script and I don't <laughs> I, know. Yeah, I have
2: to say uh, this: the movie I think gives you a little bit of the perspective of what it might be like to have mental illness, because there would be certain scenes where I'd be like, "Oh, these are demons!" <laughs> like I don't understand. Like that, that to me, that hitman kind of seems a little bit like a demon. His buddy that he assassinates seems like literally a cartoon weasel. That guy like would be played by a cartoon weasel.
0: <laughs> that that human is played, like, coaching
1: <laughs> weasel. Do yeah, you think, too, like, if, if we could talk about that Hitman scene for a second, which is, I think, in a pretty impeccable short film, right? The, yeah. the guy goes in uh. to, like, get some information, has to kill a friend, and then he gets seen, and then he gets seen, and he just has to keep murdering everybody all the way up until a, I would say very, not Roomba smart, but a very smart vacuum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it, it it's, uh, like, this entire short movie injected in the middle of this movie, and... But it's a bit confusing. Even though it's super entertaining, it's a bit confusing as to why things are are like this. And I realized, not while dreaming, but have you ever got? Have you guys ever tried to tell somebody about your dream? And as the <laughs> dream dissipates, you start filling shit yeah. in. And so...
0: You're just, oh, I, I'm talking. I got to make this up. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's like,
1: oh my god, I've already started talking. And so what Lynch is doing, or maybe Diane is doing, or somebody is doing, is... Like trying to get from point C to point D or point F to point G, and saying "fuck," Uh, people like the Coen Brothers, right? Like, there's like a Tarantino aspect to this. It's almost like postmodern neo noir. Like, in order to make the movie that I want, I have to include these things. But also, I like it. But also, I'm making fun of them Mm -hmm. at the same time. And it goes back even deeper
2: than than that, right? Because when she first bursts onto, when Betty first bursts onto the the scene first of all her name is betty and she comes in and she is there is nobody as naive and excited to be in hollywood in the history of hollywood
1: than Betty. like everything's bright and shiny and you think it's the hot la sun but it's just her face and her smile she's looking
2: she's looking at the inside of lax like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) and so it allows her to be this like very Old like 1930s style character. She like it seems like she just fell off the turnip truck, and then she progresses through the hit like through the movie. She kind of progresses almost through like the history of film in a way because she moves away from that all the way to like the very edgy, dejected like like through she moves through hypersexualization all the way to like dejected, edgy, um, almost like misanthrope, and we see her be everybody kind of sometimes literally because like she kind of like mirrors almost every other woman that we see in the movie by either literally becoming them or (laughs) they become her.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of that is getting to LA without that much of a personality. And so you just sort of like glom on to, and I don't want to like discount her love of, this actress that she did i think was as genuine as the movie wants it to be but
0: wait who's so we got with this okay. kind of movie be more specific with your
1: sorry descriptions I,
0: Who's love for what actress i
1: think that diane's love for camilla
2: yeah
1: was uh, in parts genuine or like not it, it was genuine but like in parts real that mm-hmm. um but when diane got to la naomi Watts at the end of the movie when she got to la um there wasn't she, there wasn't that much of a personality so what she did was spend a lot of time not just in the dream but in reality which i don't think is a thing in this movie uh globbing on and sucking up personality types from all everywhere around her yeah and that's that's what sort of leads to our wizard of oz confusion and there's also it's not, another it's, it's not just like uh taking information in but it's purposely selecting information while you're in the quote unquote real world
2: yeah i think cuz there's also another layer to this where it's weird even though the women like right. change their names and and change who they who they are really there is this other part which is this consistent relationship between these two figures even if they change who they are their relationship actually does kind of follow a a more logical form than anything else that happens in the movie. They meet each other. They're both trying to discover who they are. They kind of discover like who they are together. And when they really both learn who they are, they realize they're not going to actually work. One is desperately in love with the other, but one of them actually isn't in it all the way and they fall apart. And that falling apart causes everything to fall apart. So no matter like who they are over the course of the movie, their relationship, to me feels like a steady constant thing that moves over the course of the movie, like in a much more realistic, natural way that we've come to expect from movies.
1: But are we sure that that's not just for Diane? Do we think that's for Diane, Naomi Watts at the end of the movie and Camilla, uh, Laura Herring at the end of the movie? Well, because Laura Herring does come down and bring Naomi Watts to the party at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. She, like, and that's where we get the whole, that's where we get the beginning of the movie. But when, when Laura Herring is around Justin Thoreau it seems like they've been together for at least a long time it it doesn't seem like Laura Herring is necessarily, necessarily being like this bitch who wants to jilt Naomi Watts no, as I, much as
2: I think it's because time is really fucky here i think that i think that when we go i think that when we go through the blue cube and their relation, who they are, changes. I think we move through the, a lot of time in their relationship. So I think their relationship had a phase where they were together, these two women, and then there is a, and then there is a phase where she is with this director. And that, but to see, Diane, it is more compressed than it would be to um, Camilla.
1: I agree with you that time is fucky, but I think once we go through the blue cube, just to go back to Mike, your original question, it's not that the first two thirds is dream and the last third is reality. It's it's just it's, it's two different types of dreams because when we go through the blue cube, time is funky, not just in that we, or fucky, sorry, that we go through time and a lot of time passes, but time breaks, like yeah. time cracks and nothing is chronological anymore. And I did not notice this until the last time, Uh, that I watched it this week, but it's the fucking Ashtray. The Ashtray in the last third of the movie that I think Diane's other lover, right? The neighbor Mm. who comes over to get her shit, takes the Ashtray, and then the Ashtray's there. Yeah. And there's a lot of editing and stuff that also cracks time open, but it's all a dream. It's just one is the Hollywood movie, like, brightly lit nightmare, and the other is the realistic dream.
2: Remember when she, right after... uh, Right after... Right. right after her other girlfriend leaves um, and talks about the ashtray. The neighbor who switched apart. Yeah, Denise, Science I think her one. name is, or something like that. Um, wh- Right after she leaves, um, you see, what's her name? You see now Diane go to the kitchen and she looks and she has this really crazy look on her face and she sees Camilla. I think, Ryan, as you pointed out, I think that that's dislocated in time from where it really is. I think she's so distraught there because she's already like, ordered or the murder of camilla has already taken place and so she's like had this mental break where she's like mm. seeing somebody who is dead again and then she's not well, there a second also, later
0: the time is fucky because we see betty who later will become diane and rita who later will become camilla uh see dead diane who doesn't shoot herself to the yeah. end of the movie they find her dead body in the middle of the movie and she's rotted and you can't recognize that that is also Naomi watts right and this is before the blue cube.
1: Yeah, yeah. this is pre- this is pretty cute. But uh, Greg, that coffee making scene that you talked about in the kitchen. Like, I think that's I think it's kind of the most important besides Club Silencio, which is incredible, but the most important part of the movie which is because instead of using like um, you know, little people in chairs that control Hollywood and uh, all of this crazy shit that sort of makes the first two-thirds seem dreamlike. That part right there. that's why that's part of what made me think that this is the movie that's best at being a movie of all time is because David Lynch understands movie making so much that he knows the language that we have subconsciously in our brains. and when Naomi Watts looks over and there's Camilla and then it goes back to Naomi Watts and then she looks again and then there's Naomi Watts. yeah, that's more upsetting than anything yeah. else in the movie. <laughs> like everything we've ever learned about why? filming and editing has now just broken in our brain and that's the thing that like, it it there's there is two separate parts, but it's that kind of shit that doesn't make me think that the second part is reality, that it's just a different type of dream.
0: Well, it's, yeah, and I think that there's the dude who's in Madman, who I always called Jimmy Pardo, who's not Jimmy Pardo, uh,
1: Patrick Fleischer Bros. or something.
0: Patrick Fleischer, who yeah, who, uh, who introduces us to the mud gremlin. And there's the mud <laughs> gremlin, like there's the cowboy. These are the, the the little hints that like there is no such thing as reality because these people wouldn't exist. Throughout all
1: of it, and in True Lynchian fashion, like the person behind the dumpster is crazy, but the cowboy freaks me out way more than anything else. Like, oh, yeah. what is that yeah. person doing? Because
2: I mean, to me, that he seems like a, a pretty close analog to like God, um, and that and studio heads. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, ultimately, the reason why it is not, I think, uh, very good to just attach a different reality to whatever reality the movie supplies is that cowboy is not just god but he kind of is god and he's not just like someone with an astronomical amount of money but he kind of is that too because those two things are functionally on earth the same like if you know really ultra rich people which i've only come across a couple of in my life you are allowed to be so particular because like you have so much money that you're allowed to like be a cowboy. You are allowed to like, like talk to people in the way that he does. And so, functionally, like, are you or are you not a god? It doesn't really matter if you can still... I can disappear you or I can elevate exactly. you or right. I can force you to do what I want.
1: Um, but that's why... This is the perfect movie, too. Even though there's been a million podcasts and essays written and recorded about this movie, this is why it's the perfect movie to do is because I, I can't get over how this movie is about a love of movies and a hatred of hollywood mm-hmm. <laughs> and so almost everything i see reflects that but that's that's totally that could be totally different from how you guys might just see it as like uh you know like a jilted romance you know and then everything ties into that and that's the perfect part about like getting it versus not getting it is we're not going to argue here we're just going to share our experiences and that's what i fucking love yeah. about this movie
0: I think arguing would be foolish.
1: I'll say this one last thing. I think ultimately this is a
2: movie about being in search of a girl. Everyone in this movie is in search of a girl. And I think, and I think that, um, it's like uh, culturally that is what we're doing. And it's bad for like the girl because we shift her through this position and like in that in that big uh, audition, right. they keep saying they're looking for a girl and you get this sense that like they've like Godot style been doing these auditions and like run through getting ready for this show for like eternity. Like the old leathery orange guy that she does that Naomi Watts does the scene with and he's like all touching her and she's all touching him yeah. back. It's like there's like this feeling that they, this has been the eternal show, you know, and they've always been looking for the lead girl.
1: Or like one of my favorite, I don't know if you would call it pranks in the movie of just like Lynch fucking with us is when Naomi Watts and Justin Theroux see each other for the first time. Uh-huh. It It's so like romantic and sweeping uh-huh. and then they n- barely yeah. ever talk again for the rest of the movie. Yeah, we're, we're convinced that the rest of this movie is going to be this like wild romance.
0: We are so more than out of time. <laughs> we're going to take a break and then uh, not keep talking about this movie we desperately want to talk about. Mount Rushmore! It is time for Mount Rushmore. Not time to talk about this movie. No, we're going to talk uh-uh. about 2001 zoomed out. As we all know, Mount Rushmore is a monument that only the worst presidents give speeches right in front of. And this time, it's going to be something a little better than that. It's scandals. The 2001 scandaliest scandals
2: of 2001. Woo! Big news stories of 01. Let's get it.
0: Let's get right into it. Ryan, you were the winner of last week, so you get to go first. What do you think is the most iconic scandal of 2001?
1: So I had to look up the definition of scandal before I did this. Um,
0: Is it just the log line from Kerry Washington's show?
1: Yeah, it says show on uh, ABC. Okay, Um, yeah.
0: I think I've
2: heard that before.
1: An action or event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing general public outrage. General so,
2: public outrage.
1: Typically, I think of it as like something as a tabloid fodder, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, according to that definition, I think that nine eleven was a big deal in two thousand one, and it it fills the definition of scandal. And
2: I'm so, uh, What? Um, this is probably like a stupid question. What? Um, what's 11
1: <laughs> uh sorry 9 11 is short for uh, if you're on the inside uh Reno 911 that's what I call it and okay. it got cancelled this year and that was a <laughs> terrible tabloid scandal.
0: scandal. I think uh there's a lot of aspects i I just as the participants just because Ryan mentioned 911 the umbrella doesn't mean you can't dig into some stuff but uh there's questions all I'm saying is there's questions that are scandalous that have come out since. so yes, 911 deserves to be right up on that mountain.
1: big old uh, scandal. I also it's I think it's crazy that we haven't really talked about it that much but I think that's because we're not doing 2002 or 2003, yeah. you know. Once right. we do those two years, everything we talk about is going to be like, "Oh, I see what this movie's doing." Cuz even
2: the movies that came out in 2001 that came out after September 11th was already a really short group. Even those ones, you know, they were like if they had been edited like yeah. after 2011, they after 9/11. So, you know, we didn't really have a lot of content dealing with it just yet
1: but i think i mean one of the times i think we brought it up was for lord of the rings not that it was about nine eleven, but its popularity could be because we just wanted to go see good guys kill bad guys mm-hmm. and um, we wouldn't see that fantasy. for two years later but
2: yeah and that you know that the second one is called the two towers <laughs> oh you know, there is that
0: damn that was that's crazy that's crazy that they predicted it that long ago any any movie that came out in 2001 that you're like oh this is directly talking about 9-11 look at those producers because they maybe had a hand in also producing the greatest attack on american soil
1: hey greg yeah ryan you and i have known for a long time all of mike's conspiracy theories about um (laughs) 9-11 but is this the first time the audience is finding out
2: this is getting yeah
1: it's coming out it's all coming to the fore i thought this was our dirty little secret
0: all okay. I'm saying is yeah. Building 7 is still on the table. Greg, you are up.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. So, like, kind of a, z- a zany year, right? Um, sort of goofy, goofy things going on. Uh, in 2001, Enron went bankrupt. Um, I think it's hard for us to fully wrap our minds around what a big company this was. Um, it's not exactly like if Apple went bankrupt bankrupt but it's kind of analogous i mean this took down a host of other companies as well but the sort of executive um the executive group uh, in enron was considered like they called themselves the smartest people in the room and they were considered like next they called themselves that yeah yeah Uh, i thought
0: that was just the documentary oh my goodness so
2: um the fact that such a big company that was supposed to be run so effectively could go out and look absolutely destroyed so many different lives. I think honestly if if 2001 hadn't had other major news items um like what Well Ryan just told me about this thing with uh, apparently in New
1: York which is just that sounds <laughs> awful um so <laughs> and, and the t- the ties to Scientology right the author of Dianetics and Ron Hubbard like there's this goes all the way baby all the way all to the building way 7
0: to the <laughs> where uh, jet fuel does not melt steel. Uh, yeah, I think Enron has to has to be right up on this tippy top.
1: Uh, we have to put heads up, guys, because it's a uh, it's Mount Rushmore. So I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna do Bush's face after somebody whispered into his ear for the first head. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to do Osama bin no, Laden? Just the,
0: like the slacked. Yeah. Can we do like a half and half? So half Uh-oh. Bush's slack jawed, like, and I I do think uh, there you can almost say nothing good about that guy. But that is a moment that he didn't instantly recover in front of children. I'm going to give him a pass on that one. Uh, but yeah, so half Bush's slack-jawed face finding out 9-11 happened, and the other half is like Osama twirling his mustache because 9-11 just happened.
2: All right,
1: worst customer in a restaurant. You want me to fucking, you want me to split your order up this way? Uh, and then I'm, his name is Kenneth Lay, right? Ken Run. That's that's the main guy's head for the for the end run thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, is, is he going on the mountain?
0: Yeah. Okay. And I'm guessing uh, never served time or had anything bad happen to him.
1: No, I think it was a jail, right? Yeah. So
2: from this particular one, I I know there is this this idea that like when there's these big financial crimes, nobody goes down, but people from Enron went down. <laughs> like, oh, good. This good, like good. The, probably not as hard as they should, considering that you know it's like billions of dollars that just disappeared overnight. But uh, people did get in legal
1: legal trouble. I watched the doc, and I think if I remember correctly, they caught him like filling an air like a personal airplane yeah. with uh, luggage. It's like, hey, bud, where are you going? Why don't you, why don't you go, come in this car right here? Oh,
2: I'm just going to fly. I'm just going to go up in the air with all my bags of money. Um, and then I'm going to come right do. back and that being check said, myself into the police station.
1: Even though he did, we think he did go to jail, and we will not do any research on that. Never. Uh, I bet, never one time. His prison sentence is much better than my life right now.
2: Well, your life, yeah. Yeah, look at your life.
0: Uh, I will let you both know that the... Mike, special Rushmore's amount of points if you get this one is still on the table. We never we do we'll right? get four points. Four? If you get this one in. Yeah. Because you're not going to get it. Ryan, you're up.
1: Okay. Well, now I want to go for it. Um, so this, this was the year that 9 11 happened. This is the year that uh, Enron uh, Perfect recap. contributed <laughs> to. Thank you. Uh, somebody's got to host this fucking show. Uh, contributed to like the downfall of the American economy. But I would say one of the biggest scandals, one of the biggest things where we were like, what the fuck are you doing except for ruining our goddamn lives was when the company that we hold near and dear to our heart and basically establishes everything that we love and all the decisions that we make said across the street from Disneyland, we're building a new park and we're like, fuck yeah, you are. And then they gave us California adventure. And now we all love California adventure because it's basically like Pixar and guardians of the galaxy. But there was a time guys where it was the shittiest California diorama from like second graders (laughs) ever created.
0: Hey, if you were hot and tired from going around Disneyland all day, you could go on Soarin and take a nap for like a half an hour and get some pleasant smells shot in your face and that was amazing. <laughs> <It> was <coughs> or you could go to that room where all the animation is all over the place and take a nap on one of their giant circular caps. Cou- <laughs> or
2: how about how about you could go on a ride and folks, you can't make this stuff up, called Mulholland Madness. Oh which shit. Is thrilling the entire time, never quite totally scary, but you always think you're a about to be scared and as soon as it's over you're like you know what I kind of want to
1: experience that again
0: why was the cowboy there <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like a dark ride of Mahalo Falls where he pops up so, <laughs> <laughs> ah! um, yeah this was a terrible terrible place I think that they uh, I think it was the first time that Disneyland was like their press release was like oh ah. Fuck, and then I, they've done a lot to repair. it. I think it is a cool place now. Um, it's basically Disney Pixar 2.0. into there was yeah, like, yeah so smart.
0: Pixar and Marvel mm-hmm. was smart. Yeah, it was so crazy that they're like, we should build a place that's mostly food. <laughs> <laughs> like, so why why would you not think rides first, guys?
2: And like uh, half of that park is a big lake that they
1: themselves made, right? They yeah. didn't build around that <laughs> shit. They were like, "No, <laughs> let's waste this real estate right here."
0: That shows that they didn't really have a plan. And somebody's like, "Some more rides." They're like, oh shit, we didn't think of more rides. No, a lake. People <laughs> love the the lake show. Uh, that is going to go in the maybe
2: pile for now, Gregory. Okay, uh, this one might be a personal axe to grind i don't know if this actually counted as scandal i got
0: rear-ended on the 405 but in 2001.
2: <laughs> 2001 uh right before he left office clinton gave uh teddy roosevelt the medal of honor for our involvement in the spanish-american war i don't know i like teddy roosevelt who was on this mountain by the way um like was like an expansionist an imperialist and our spanish-american war i don't know if that was like our greatest moment i mean we beat back spain uh but then we like stole the philippines and we didn't give it back for a long time i think that kind of on the balance when you look at what roosevelt stood for um i don't think he stands for the kind of america that we like care about now and the idea that bill clinton is the one that gave him this posthumous medal of honor is just another Another whoopsie by the Clintons. I do yeah,
1: like I'm I do f- like imagining them though, like they're about to beat back Spain and then somebody in the towards the front of the line was like, "Quick, go get the Philippines." Like got just your, very got slightly.
0: I Got your islands. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be the first to say, I don't know if Bill Clinton was a good guy or somebody we <laughs> anybody should look up to. It's crazy nobody everybody else says that.
1: I know, I love when conservatives are like, you know, when the Epstein thing has come out, they're going to bust Bill Clinton and we're all like, "Yep. <laughs> whatever." <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>
0: That was not intended. The- <laughs> 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 Pretend you didn't hear that. Maybe Pyle. Ryan.
1: Um, we all know her to be not just capable uh, of Stranger Things, but the star of Stranger Things. In 01, Winona Ryder was not getting her writers in her contract anymore where they had jewelry for her, so she had to steal it.
2: The shoplifting Even thing. though
0: that was so suffering to sit through, uh, this was all over the place. My older sister had a free Winona shirt. I, nobody ever understood or will ever understand, which is a sign of a good scandal. What really happened and who was in the wrong? Uh, and this is iconic, not like coolest. Uh, I think she goes. You don't see, you don't see nine eleven t-shirts. So <laughs> if they're on the mountain, so is Winona.
1: I have a Bart Simpson t-shirt where he says, "Don't have a nine eleven man." That's that's my Why? favorite t-shirt. Good
0: uh, advice from Bart. Winona is on the mountain.
1: But yeah, I would say that the stealing thing is not that big of a deal. Her reaction on stage that one time during the award show is much yeah, more dude, concerning. Way than way better than what her she shop. Do? She just, her she face just went nuts. Oh,
0: the, yeah. Oh, yes. I remember. I don't think that was an Oh one, but yes. All right. Let's, let's do some, some quickies. Greg, what do you got?
2: Okay. Um, the last time you guys went to the airport, did you have to take your shoes off? Well, guess what? That's because of Richard Reed. This universe is Richard Reed, who is an idiot who tried to blow up a plane with explosives hidden in his shoes. And to this day, we still have to take our shoes off, because this one guy did it
1: this one and failed. time in 2001. All right. Wait, are you saying the other universes are those, they're named Reed Richards?
0: yeah and they stretch real far
1: yeah i was saying he was the same guy
0: except universe 1610 where he becomes the maker one of the worst villains it's the
1: classic like no we will not take guns away we will not make it harder for kids to get guns and shoot up schools but we will make everyone take their shoes off absolutely
0: inconvenienced always ryan what do you got
1: uh crown prince dipendra of nepal um killed did not he thought he should be king so he killed his father his mother and all of his siblings shot them all down whoa
0: of what 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 country? Nepal. Nepal. Is that
1: what you said? And then, that's because an of there was like a second where they had to figure out like who was going to be the king after all of that, it turned out to be his uncle, but Him, they didn't right? know for a I second. Mean, that's why which he meant did it. after he did all of that, between like b- before they could figure out it was the uncle, <laughs> they had no choice but to like not have a gap. So they were like, all right, for like one minute, you're <laughs> you king. <get> to be- <laughs> for one single minute. And in one minute, we're going to take it away. But for this one minute, uh, Crown Prince Dipendra was king of Nepal.
0: All right. What do we got? What's What's currently living on the maybe pile?
2: Wait, can I throw out another one?
0: Yeah, throw one more.
2: This would be so crazy if it happened now. Uh, Jim Jeffers left the Republican Party in the Senate to join the Democratic Party in 2001, and it shifted the balance from Republican to Democratic in the Senate. That's Come fucking on, dope. Now. Imagine that, imagine that awesome. happened now what a hero that be a big story
1: do you literally yeah. have to cross the aisle like is there a ceremony where you have to walk from yeah, one side to, of the room to the other
2: and they, they tried the not to song in reverse. the republicans joined arms and tried not to uh, let him but then he started tickling them <laughs> he and he got red through right
0: right through there
2: if you if you if you're like willing to tickle to get your way you're going to get your way
0: because that's what happened to people, mcconnell recently people don't want to tickle he tried tickling <laughs> amy mcgrath but because she's been in the military she broke his fucking hand in her <laughs> armpit
1: jesus christ what is happening to that person?
2: That's just like black hands from freaking or cold hands or whatever from Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, he's dead, right? They're rotting. Yeah, they are rotting in front of us. If this was happening to Democrats, I swear Republicans would be like, This is a sign that they're
1: evil and they're rotting. My favorite part about my favorite part about the hands is that there's two random band aids put on. Yeah, like that's gonna gonna keep it it in.
2: Don't worry, they're flesh colored.
0: Oh, Christ, not if that's Uh, your flesh. What's on the mountain? Maybe pile, right? Also, Bush (laughs)
2: became president. That's a little controversial, you guys. The maybe right. the baby pile one more
0: and then did a second one right after.
2: No that, right? that was no. I was that was conversational. That was conversational. <laughs> that was not within the bounds of what except is acceptable as an answer.
1: Your baby pile is California adventure opening. Uh, Clinton <laughs> and the Spanish American War. Uh, the Crown Prince of Nepal and Jim Jeffries crossing the aisle.
0: It's got to be just, you know, hometown heroes. It's California Adventures, and that should close out the mountain. Ryan, what is your Mount Rushmore 2001 scandals?
1: Well, before that, what was the four-pointer?
0: Uh, All the intelligence agencies had different information about 9-11. If they had talked at all, they would have stopped it.
1: <laughs> that is scandalous. Shit. <laughs> all right. Your mountain is a uh, bushhead with half slack-jawed, half what was the other one?
0: Osama bin Laden twirling his mustache. Okay.
1: The second one is Kenneth Lay from Enron. The third one is R- winona Ryder, uh, twirling her mustache. And the fourth one is Mickey Mouse's roller coaster head ruining California adventure and thinking that lakes are good.
0: When we come back, more Maholland madness. <laughs> hola filterinos i just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening thank you for your support if you want to support us a little more directly you can go to patreon.com slash your pop filter there depending on what tier you pick one dollar a month five dollars a month if you're crazy anything more than five dollars a month don't do that you can get extra content there's extra shows extra series uh behind the scenes stuff uh you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh, you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music check him out. Taste buds from Betty to Diane, from Rita to Camilla and everybody in between. What is Lynch bringing to the conversation about identity?
1: Well, I think we got to start with going back to the whole it's all about movies thing. We have to we have to start with how I think he thinks about actors and not that he hates them, but he uses that as a jumping off point about how actors they don't it's it's not just that they, they like they're playing a role when the cameras are rolling mm. but also they're playing a role when they're not rolling but they're in mm-hmm. their public persona and then they're at home so that's a bunch of identities and then is anybody really that much different than actors you know aren't we all yeah, sort of doing that's this? i think
2: I, I agree with that part i think he uses like this is the world he's used to at this point so he uses that as a way to enter this is his normal yeah and to enter into the conversation this movie I, I feel like the reason you see this like either collapse of of characters all into one or or explosion of one person into multiple characters is because he's saying that like we are all like capable of in any situation being people as like low down or as elevated as they find themselves in the situation i mean like for instance i don't think it's ever alluded to that she is similar that like naomi watts is similar to the the drug addict woman but she's so much like her too like she's obviously named after the waitress um but she like that that drug addict character has the same blonde hair and again like she is in the same sort of desperate situation that almost everybody else is in the movie. And you just,
0: who's the drug addict character. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, when, okay. So when the assassin guy is like tasked to find, I guess Camilla, I mean, I, towards the end of the movie, Rita, when, when she's no, towards the beginning of the movie when she's still Rita and Rita is missing. And the Italian oh. businessman, mafia gods, whatever want to find her so they call the assassin guy and they tell him to like go to the streets and see who you can find and he goes and
0: right oh the the process yeah
2: and she is so over the top like the way the actress is standing she's jutting her chest out i think she's got like um fake like hard nipples inside her bra and she's so strung out and so desperate but by the time the movie is over you see like Betty Diane kind of moved all the way into that same desperation. Um her, her energy
0: with that same hit, yeah. man, once again at Winkies yeah. is that same energy of the woman. I love
2: yeah. that the place is called Winkies. I just love that. Like you're you're yeah. in the middle of this movie trying to figure things out, and they keep going back to this place called Winkies, and you're just like, you feel dumb for trying to figure things out because you feel like you're kind of being teased. The more you try to figure it out, the more you feel like it's kind of like making fun of you for trying to figure it out or something like that.
1: The other reason why I think that Strung Out Girl is so important, besides being one of the first, even though we don't know it at the time, one of the first like realizations that, oh, uh, it's just a world of Betty's or it's a world of yeah, Diane's, uh, is when we, as an audience, see that person, we're like, oh, okay, she's one of these people. She's a low life. you know, She's not worth <laughs> much. Um, and then later on, we find out that Betty is basically, or Diane, sorry, is basically that same person, that strung out, that much of a low life, and now she's attempting to hire an yeah. assassin. But we have spent two hours with her, so we're like, "Oh, Diane, what's going on? Yeah. How can I help you?" Yeah. Like, uh, we all like the, the power of film once again uh, will give us all of this empathy for this character.
0: Yeah, do you think in a way it's the you could film anybody on any day of their life, and they look either like a hero or a villain. Like, I do just and choose the fifteen minutes.
1: I'm not saying that David Lynch is predicting social media taking over, But I do think that watching it now, twenty years later, that there's a lot of social media commentary going on, yeah, you know, of who do you want to project as and who are you actually? And, you know, and your worst fears, and you're somewhere in between or all at the same time because
2: the social media thing is really just an exacerbation of what has always been an interpersonal thing, which is that you, like, You have a projection of yourself that you project into the world. And underneath that is, like, a desperation and a longing. But what you project into the world often is someone who is composed and normal and can get through the day. And so your, like, composed normal self drags your desperate wanting self all through the world. And that's so inherently creepy. And that's what this movie explores, that same sort of creepiness, which is, it is so weird for all of us to be staring into the abyss and then still be at the bank.
1: Like... As if you're a caveman <laughs> who did the caveman wedding proposal of hitting the person on the head and then dragging them by the hair all over the place. <laughs> that's basically what you're doing with your real yeah, life. Yeah, that's... The shit. other thing, too, I, I, don't, I, like, I hesitate to take the dream, like, use the D word and take it literally. But in dreams, only in dreams, You, t- if you two were in one of my dreams and you guys start talking to me and we're having a conversation... You, that's not actually you guys yeah that's just what? parts of me screaming at me you know and that's where we get the whole wizard of oz effect of mm. the people that were in my quote-unquote real life or in my quote-unquote dreams they're all just you baby that's just you guys screaming at me about how but i'm fat i and think it's not intelligent i think it might be one deeper no, that than that us. though
2: ryan i think it might be one deeper than that though because here we are in reality conversing right but you say things to me and i hear them and interpret them and i create orion that i'm really talking to so even in our conversation there's a way you can look at it where we are both alone in our conversations with each other i only have my projection of you and you only have your projection of me and so it's like there's it maybe there's that emptiness not just in dreams not just in movies but in inherent like in life you know every day because
1: completely completely unintentionally completely unintentionally me just talking to you you could you could see me coming off as like complimentary and thinking that you're handsome or that I'm envious Thank of you, you yeah. or that I think you're stupid. Thank you, yeah. But nope, I'm not. Nope. Nope. I'm, these are no, all, I appreciate all this, uh, This is great. Or that I think that you're stupid or that I think that, you know, like there's a number of things that uh, I am not saying yeah. that you are hearing and that I put into
2: it. So then like, and how much of the message is the stuff that you're saying to me and how much is it of it is the stuff that I am actually just adding to what you're saying. Like, what am I really interacting with then? Is it my, is it you, or is it me again?
0: I want all the listeners to not think about this as they're having fake conversations with the three of us while they're listening <laughs> to us talking about Mahal Drive. I just think You're I just think fine. Lynch, You're not that cripplingly alone. I just
2: think David Lynch would say at the end of the day, what reality? Like, what, what, where do you want to retreat to that you think is a real space? Like, where are you going to get to that is not a dream? That is not like, it's not there. There's no, you can't get away from these layers of artifice because even in which ourselves, is, we have mechanisms that create meaning and understanding that really delude us more than
1: elucidate what's actually going on. Which is why I love when people say, I don't get it. And what I think a lot of times what they're saying is that I don't have the language to express how I felt about that movie, you know? Cause, cause they, oh, for sure. Because they think that they should come up with some, like, very, like, I don't know, effusive, like, uh, just an inc- like all these long words to describe what they thought about and the that movie. And then it'll nail the but, movie to the wall, absolutely. Yeah. And then I got <laughs> yeah. it. I fucking got it. But in, what I think what David Lynch is saying is that you got this movie just like every other movie. This is how yeah. all movies work, you know? We're, like, we're throwing up this fantasy, and... Then you're gonna take out of it what you will, and that's why everybody watches every movie differently. I think, I think it was the Mank trailer. I think I'm gonna quote a trailer right now for <laughs> David Fincher's new movie Mank, where uh, somebody is saying to somebody else, uh, uh, "People are just paying." It's about uh, the guy who wrote Citizen Kane, and they're talking about the movies, and they're saying, uh, "People are just paying for a memory." <laughs> you know, like that's all it is. Like you don't get to take anything. You don't get to take like a hammer Mm. or a car home. When you pay for a movie, you're just paying for a memory. And that memory is completely different. That's just something we like. It's so much more fun. If you accept that, don't spend the time like trying to crack it open, spend the time, like enjoying the fact that you're going to have this memory forever.
0: We've moved so far on just the identity then. So instead of going back, uh, let's push on forward. What are the, what are the mud gremlin and the cowboy? What role do they play here?
2: I think I honestly, it's so reductive. it's so absurd, but you just can't help it. that I think that the cowboy is like, if not God, like a God figure. And I think the guy behind Winkies, is
0: you just refuse to say mud
1: gremlin
2: yeah i just uh, be, be uh, well no it's like walking dead we all have to have our own yeah.
1: word for zombies <laughs> uh
2: but i don't know what to make of him i think he is kind of like a loki figure i think that like he is as much a prisoner of what's going on as he is um one of the orchestrators of like i think he is making puzzles that entrap people i and i and I, I think that he doesn't like he himself is entrapped he's the he's the like entrapped warden or something like that
1: we talked about how uh, like you can tell that the first part and the second part of the movies, they're, they're all dreamlike because of the editing. But I think a, an easier thing to go to is that they both include the person behind yeah. the dumpster. And it's almost like this reverse Santa Claus or you know somebody who has this snow globe. Krampus. You know? Some, yeah, I guess Krampus. Um, that uh, sort of gets to watch and control. And I don't know. I, I think it's... If the cowboy is God or the studio executive which I think that's you know, the same thing, then this is closer to either David Lynch or us, yeah. but it's somebody who is watching and controlling, and I guess it's closer to David Lynch because um, he's
2: still got a sort fucking of boss. Like, like he's, he's the one doing it, yeah. as it said, but he's still got a fucking
1: boss. He's still at work.
0: He's trapped behind yeah. the monster <laughs> where the cowboy yeah. can show up and do wherever he wants.
1: And then just when things get crazy, I will. First of all, uh, slowly slide my head out from behind Dude. the dumpster to see what happens. Or um, I got this blue cube, and I'm going to see what happens with that. Did you
2: classify his expression there as like a Mona Lisa smile? I I have stopped the movie there every time I've watched it, and I think that exp- expression is perfect because he looks kind of happy-ish, like a little bit like I'm being a stinker. Um, he's really- It's a Bugs Bunny aspect. Yeah, I don't- exa- Well, I think Bugs Bunny's perfect because I think as much as he is- A vehicle of destruction. I think in this, he's also kind of a weirdly a vehicle of creation, right? Like, he is like David Lynch, he's making everything that's happening. And so, as fucked up as it is, he still has this generative property that is bringing like some newness into that corner of the world. Or it's sort
0: If we're led to believe that the blue cube comes from him based on the stuff (laughs) at the end, then yeah, he throws the blue cube into their world the way Lynch throws and Drive into our world to fuck up their brain.
1: And just to keep the bucks. That's uh, a point. Mate. Analogy going. Money. It's to keep the box analogy going. It's sort of like, uh, you know, it's Pandora, but you open it by buying the ticket yeah. to the movie. Like once you once you you sit down in the chair, now the box is open, and you're just letting all of these people do whatever they want to you, and that's what you want apparently that is yeah. what you have asked for is to go through <laughs> and, all of and it.
2: this is the movie is a perfect example of this because this is a movie that lives in you afterwards you can't decide you don't want this movie to come visit you again because when i saw it in 2001 i found it very upsetting and it upset me for years later some of the imagery in it and stuff <laughs> um and so yeah it is like the box you un- you open it up and then you just deal with the fact that you've opened it because if you don't want the things that like we've seen in Come and See or the things that we've seen in The Piano Teacher, right? if you don't want those inside you, you have to not watch these types of movies because you, loo- you lose the ability to-, to cancel it. You can't forget, really, unless you bonk yourself on the head and take a nap.
1: But again, that's what I think that is so great about Lynch, and that's why I think that this is his peak, if not the peak of film, which I think I said earlier in the show, but uh, at least Lynch's peak, is that Come and See and The Pianist are... Uh, incredible movies that but it does feel like piano teacher yeah sorry i i called it i called the wrong
2: thing the piano teacher uh
1: and i did too in uh, that's on patreon doesn't matter um (laughs) with with those two movies um you do feel like that the director is teaching you you know like it's he's they're sort of like making you eat your vegetables with those movies as wonderful as they are whether whereas this is just you you bought a ticket from my brain, baby. Yeah. Like, you're gonna go on the Lynch train, yeah. and this is what's going to happen. The
2: piano teacher and come and see. Felt like uh, the director was like film daddy, and like film daddy would sometimes make right. you look at things that you didn't film that daddy. you didn't want to watch, and you'd be like, "No, film daddy, don't make me do it." Uh, but David Lynch is just more like film film creepy. I think uncle. film. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, you came along, yeah, man.
2: <laughs> they know they'll hear language like this. Don't worry, they know what we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> They're not so innocent as you think.
1: If he doesn't have a sip of vodka with me, he's going to go get it on the streets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, film uncle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we are unfortunately out of time for this segment, but don't worry. We will come back right after this hey, break.
1: Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart. All right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home.
0: No, I want one of those. I'm going to pop some bags. Only got $20 in my pocket. <laughs> That, of course, means that it is time for Shopping Spree. Earlier in the week, we all had a wonderful gift in the mail from the board, a fresh and crisp Mulholland Drive catalog. So today, we're going to be flipping through those pages and picking out the juiciest items, starting with Greg, then to me, then to Ryan, then Serpentine, back to determine who gets the best shit from Maholland Drive.
2: Gregory. You know... I don't think it was appreciated in its own time. But the 2001 Porsche Boxster was a beautiful little automobile. And I think it has everything you need from the Porsche platform without sort of the extravagance that is the 911, which is frankly not fun to even say. Yeah, that was a weird.
1: Wow. I don't know why
2: they made a Porsche car and called it that. But um, so, yeah, the Porsche Boxster, this is the one that the director cruises around in. Um, <laughs> silver Um, and uh, it's like convertible
1: having done a uh, shopping spree before on a or two uh, on a moody or two before um, the second yeah <laughs> Justin Theroux pulled up in that Porsche boxer <laughs> and I knew that shopping spree was going down <laughs> I was like oh there
2: was a uh, <laughs> that's great Porsche came out with that right around that time that the model of car and almost every single movie like between 2000 and 2005, if somebody gets a new sporty car, they get a Porsche Boxster, just as like a, a part of the advertisement for it.
1: That's why <laughs> you gave get out, a Porsche right? Boxster. You audience. get a
2: Porsche Boxster.
0: It's uh, the name is like somebody mocking it, like "oh, little <laughs> you little Boxster, you're gonna drive away, you little Boxster."
1: <laughs> but no, I think it is what when most people think of Porsches, that's the first thought, right? Is like. This era, yeah, this I think shape that um,
2: it like it was kind of more the everyman's Porsche. It was a little bit more affordable. It wasn't so gaudy in terms of power. So it was like you could have a Porsche, but it was a little bit more approachable and a little safer. the The Porsche 911 is like a really kind of dangerous automobile. <laughs> <That> makes
1: sense. <laughs> and then there's the new model that's just like half the uh-huh. size. It's called the Porsche. Uh-huh.
0: Greg, good job. I was. There's no need to give a point there. Uh, so uh, I will go, and I'm going to get uh, the magical and or cursed, but definitely powerful blue
1: box. This is the this is the oh true overall first page, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's crazy that the reality controlling item was left no, this I late think in uh, the game.
2: The
1: blue cube. Uh, uh, this is a trap, Mike. <laughs>
2: that's
0: fine. Uh, yeah, I,
1: it's a Bucky's paw, it's a genie's lamp it's going to lead to your death and all of our deaths as well but then I just yeah. turn
0: that key again and go somewhere else uh, uh, ever since I was a kid I wanted uh, Wolverine's healing power because that'd be dope and I got hurt a lot but more than that, I wanted that TV that Farnsworth invented uh, to see like what other decisions and this feels like a randomized version of that So I so your understanding the of the cube
2: box. is that you just go into another it, dimension when you go through it New Galaxy? Another Dimension? Another Dimension. Another Dimension?
0: Uh, another Dimension. Uh, f- for right now, that's what I think about it. Tomorrow, I will think something <laughs> different about it because either uh, I will keep thinking about the movie or I will have gone through the cube.
2: Uh, that yeah, because you're risking out, Mars, like, it, you're, based uh, on that assumption. You are risking quite a bit. <laughs>
0: eh, I've seen 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this world.
1: Also, if somebody's going to have the Blue Cube, it's Mike who hangs out behind dumpsters and whose look and smell is roughly that of the... Do you you guys know that was a woman, by the way? The Mud Gremlin? I'm not going to say it. Why? I'm not going to make this work, (laughs) no. Mud Gremlin's never going to (laughs) work.
2: Stop trying to make Mud Gremlin (laughs) work. It's not going to happen. I I did not know that it was a woman, and I guess that there's no reason to assume that it is a guy just because the the one dude says it is.
0: Yeah, he doesn't fucking know. It's a thing that scared him behind a dumpster once.
1: I guess the character is a guy based on all the information that we have of that one person saying <laughs> it's a guy, but it's played by a woman. Ryan. I, uh, I'm i glad the blue cube is gone because I obviously wanted it, but I uh, obviously could not have control of it. And I don't want to be the person to doom the world. That will be Mike. Uh, so I have no choice but to take something that I've always wanted since I was a little kid, uh, the black book of Hollywood phone numbers and addresses. And I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with them. Uh, I would yeah, have, like. What is anybody somebody just with to do this? this? The movie's not pretty clear on this score. Well,
0: in like in, in social yeah. context, little black book is your dating. So is this is
2: your role. And how, for how dates, near or... to the Holly Fleischer thing was this? Because also like little that was like a big signifier yeah, for probably... a while. Little black book because her little black book was supposed to like make a lot of you know reveal that a lot of like celebrities had visited her brothel.
1: The way that I look at it is like one of those uh, maps that you like Uh the Hollywood star Uh, maps that you get but this is a way better version of it where I could like go to their address and then call them and then when they answer I just hang up real quick and then giggle
0: and Jason Siegel's like what? Again? (laughs) So in the first round right this is how this works board? I'm looking at the board? Yes. Uh, The first round Greg has the Porster box I have the blue box and Ryan has the black box uh, and it looks like right. is getting the obvious first choice. I get the point. So for I that. guess our thing here Thank now is you. we have to
2: keep him from getting Lord. the blue key, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but if we don't, he's the first. No, he, he the first time I watched it, that blue key. I was like, okay, Betty puts the puts her, the key in the cube, and then she gets sucked into it, and then uh, Rita gets sucked in after that, but. Rita takes the key and then where where does Betty go does she just disappear
0: she but like Diana. does she yeah. get sucked into
2: the cube I mean because when the next time we see the cube it's it's closed again and the key hasn't been in it yeah, yeah sorry like I think you're rules. literalizing too I think it's exactly the kind of thing I'm not supposed to do
0: yeah David Lynch is very annoying right now and he doesn't know why <laughs>
1: Mike hit the mute button
0: hmm? Ryan
1: I'm, so the blue cube is gone and so is the Hollywood Black Book and I don't care about Porsches. And so the first round really took all of the wind out of my sails. And so the the part of the movie, I guess, that I envy the most after that is that Justin Thoreau gets upset at that Billy Ray Cyrus is fucking his wife and so grabs the jewelry box and then from out of nowhere pulls out a giant can of neon pink paint and I, w- I just, just want the, the rest of my... I want to have a pink uh can of pink paint handy for any time that i need to pour some pink on something Mm. so uh, it's not just one can of paint i want the ability to just grab it from wherever it is and then pour it on shit
0: and it's such a a hot pink like it's it's a really sharp color
1: i think yes this is a very interesting
2: like gendered response we don't often see the portrayal of a man catches his wife cheating on him and then he destroys her property uh, I, I thought that was a very interesting sort of reversal and the fact that he targets her jewelry yeah. and then does it with pink paint I thought like that, that was a pretty interesting you know moment
1: and it's almost like uh, requested by divorce lawyers like yeah. no, go ahead fight for the jewelry you know instead yeah. of like, like uh, threatening violence to her or the dude yeah just pour some shit on jewelry
0: well yeah the whole movie is here's a guy who should be and we've been told is in power. And the whole movie saying, no, he's yeah. fucking not. <laughs> uh, there is a, like an artistic fashion company that was at least around in the mid aughts that has to direct from this, that if you ordered their anything online, you would get a, <laughs> in a paint bucket mailed to you. That's it so would be cool. a bright pink, like leaking down. And I did not realize until now that it has to be a Mulholland Drive. Check them out. They're hips and hair <laughs> if they're still around. That is good. Uh, mine is actually very related. That there is, I'm I'm not a I'm a slovenly plus type of guy, and nobody looks uh, messed up and good as Justin Thoreau does. So I want his outfit that's also splattered uh, in hot pink paint. Yeah, that uh, so there's like a wait, black pre paint. You want post paint? Yeah, post paint because. Yeah. Yes, I think it's better. Pre paint, he looks like a Hollywood douchebag. Post paint, he looks like an artistic Hollywood douchebag. And there's just something about the pink paint on the black jacket, black pants, and even his sunglasses—they're not transition; they're like just always a little dark reading glasses. That's what I want.
1: It's—it's it's, there's definitely like a we haven't hit the 2000s yet. It's still sort of the 90s mm-hmm. aspect of that outfit, and uh, almost everything that Betty wears, like she has those yeah. uh, hair clips, For those like. B- what are they called? Barrettes? Barrettes? Uh It's so, like, <laughs> 90s is still here. Don't let it die.
0: <laughs> they didn't know. It all went away in that plane thing. <laughs> Greg.
2: Um, okay, so as the resident car guy, I am going to have Another to say that the way this movie shoots limos... Reminds me of the way I thought of limos as a kid. Um I think it's very much my not understanding the message of the movie because bad shit goes down in limos. Limos are almost like they're almost like Charon's <laughs> Fairy. Like it almost feels like you're brought like across you know into the 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 dimension inside limos or like evil carriages. Evil buggies, right. let's say. Uh, imagine imagine there's a buggy. Bugies. How many drivers does the buggy have? Um so Although I don't think it's in keeping with the message of the movie, I just love a limo. I could—that's how you can tell I've never—I've ha- never actually had money—is I'm just blown away by a limo.
1: It's—it's it's basically yes, like dude. a moving strip club, and it's not just because strippers are often in limos, but just the whole feeling it's of so being in a limo gauche. is similar to that of a strip club of just like
0: you know, sugary is- glitter is going to be in there. It's I guess I'm having yeah, fun, feel, right? If I drink enough, I will you stop feel feeling like you bad have to about be being in yeah. the
2: limo so hard. <laughs> you know? You're like, yeah, I'm in here. I'm in the limo.
1: Also, also, is this is this complimentary? Yes, it is That's for $17. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, strip club and limo.
0: <laughs> okay, for that round, we have hot pink can of paint for Ryan hot pink can of paint splattered black leather clothes for Mike and limo for Greg. And they, uh, I'm looking at the board. It has to Ryan. wins that one for the hot pink can of paint. Greg All
2: right.
0: third round. First um, pick.
2: I think this is a very classy look and I'm not sure how you would get it, but uh, this is like a Brentwood Beverly Hills style thing. Those branches, the branches on the front like of the cowboy? house, where you just have like a, like a plant that grows up on the front of it. That looks so cool. I wish I had that.
0: Like it does a plant like arc in front of the. There's door, in her is,
2: uh, her aunt's house. Like the front of it has like all these brown like vines up the 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 front of it. Oh, yeah. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I always thought of that as like being a way that L.A. is trying to trick people that they're like classy East Coast houses. Mm-hmm. Is not that mostly an East Coast I think thing? so. That, like, yeah, LA like I, like, but
2: I I only see it around here in that area and i don't even know what i mean by that area but i think of it as being like (laughs) yeah
1: because you you know we're like
2: down in we're down in orange county so la to me i'm like oh yeah hollywood's around there and uh, there's like a beverly hills area around there and brentwood is a thing it feels like very rich and nice (laughs) Inglewood. i think it would go with my porsche and limo if i had some cool vines yeah Yeah, you're definitely cultivating rich and perhaps even if there's time famous
0: I, you guys are letting me do this. This is not my fault. This is your fault. I'm getting no. that blue key. I'm God. getting the full set. I control Fumble
1: realities. Who
0: knows? I will say, Greg,
1: I have seen Mike try to put a key into a thing, and it's <laughs> it's a ton. Yeah, and this of, is like three dimensions. It takes a long time.
0: That was pre-core, Ryan. Because of quarantine, <laughs> I now know how to pick locks. true story, so I could do it certainly <laughs> with a key. And Ryan, it is your turn.
1: Do I get one more or two more here?
0: Uh, two more. Let's let's. But let's make these ones quicker.
1: All right. So I am going to take one of the most important uh, things from the movie. I'm going to take that poster of Rita Hayworth from the movie Gilda. Uh, one, it's a good poster. It's nicely framed. It's a good movie. I I like framed posters. I I will put that poster on my wall. But also, I love how the movie is gesturing back to old movies by having that character literally look into the mirror and say, oh, yeah, old movie, let's be like that old movie. So every time I look at it, I'll be like, I like Gilda. I also like Mulholland also, Drive does she for dress doing exactly what it's doing like right that? now.
2: When she comes to get Diane on Mulholland Drive, she comes to take her up to the party. Is she dressed exactly like the Rita Hayworth poster there? That's so cool,
1: dude. Yeah, I think it's close.
0: So in that round, Greg got branches, I got a rowdy controlling key, and Ryan got that sweet poster. Ryan. Takes the point down. Ryan, your last pick. Uh,
1: my last pick is, look, I don't want to be rude at dinner parties, okay? I'm trying not to be, but most stuff that people make is disgusting, and I don't have a way to deal with it. So what I want is that coffee napkin where I just put it in front of my face and I just let whatever gross yeah. shit is in my mouth Damn. fall into the napkin and have it have it be handled. OK, uh, whether it's coffee or some other fucking disgusting liquid or maybe even a disgusting solid. I want it out of my mouth and into this napkin. And then ha- I want like the napkin has the power to have somebody come and uh, run and take it away from me. <laughs> Get it out of here. I don't want to put that my, napkin in my pocket. Uh, Objection, I just want to take to it away. Strike.
2: Uh, This is mostly going to fall on us. This thing like with him doing this in the napkin. So I think we have to veto this. Yeah. And just, just strike it right away.
0: I, I understand, and I would love to because it's gross, but we can't veto just because we is don't that, like it. Is that We're not Ryan, the House of Representatives.
2: Uh, objection, move to strike what <laughs> Mike just said.
1: Uh, Greg, here's what I would like to do with what you just said. <laughs> I up <out> my napkin. <laughs> All right. Can, what I what walked into What you take into this, you right to right take this away, box. please?
0: My last pick, I want the ability... To, it's not just healing <laughs> yeah i
1: love when they start with abilities <laughs> like that's the best thing to buy it's
0: not just healing that won since a kid it's not just uh what is this alternate dimension going to be like it is i want the power to say can we get the room and have <laughs> everybody fucking leave because the director says that he's like i'm not trying to tell you what to do and just beat by beat tells the guy what to do until he's just Making out with his girlfriend on set, and thirty other people have to take an early lunch because that's what he feels like doing right now. Uh, so I want the. Uh, can I get the room? Ability. And then,
2: and then she's like, "Can Diane stay?" And he's like, "Yeah, Diane can stay, just so that she can sit there and have her heart be <laughs> broken." Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that really feels like Camilla is yeah. the villain. Yeah, we, man. you
2: know, but like, we can be cruel to each other. That's true. You're right, Dave. No, you I be haven't good. been, okay, but so, you too. Um, you too, for sure. I think if somebody like looks all over the world to find one of the best espressos of all time. And it comes with an espresso like waiter, like a guy whose only job is to give you the (laughs) espresso. Uh, I would not simply let that fall back out of my mouth. It's espresso. Of course it tastes fucking terrible. Everybody knows that it tastes awful. It's garbage. It's a drug. You have to get it into your body because it gives you that sweet, sweet energy. So I would like that world famous espresso.
0: Okay. But we've seen what happens. So like, it might taste okay, whatever. So Greg
1: tastes. I mean, I think that you could make the argument that no that guy was going to do that no to that what. espresso, power no matter what move. it tasted like, just, just to show who's move. got the fucking nuts in the room. But
0: again, based on just what we have, Greg gets the very expensive, shitty espresso that comes with a waiter that I assume you have to feed.
2: Uh, I
1: and clothes, and he has that like very nineteen twenties Hollywood.
2: Maroon I had like Usher some tuxedo. money for like two years, you guys, and it was nice. <laughs>
0: it was we all miss it and i have the ability to say we need the room and ryan has the ability to open his mouth and have shit drop out and a napkin magically takes it away uh, i think this is clear ryan takes that down that is shopping spree thank you gentlemen for flipping through the catalog with me Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, more Mahan Drive. <laughs> well,
2: that is very, very funny, or very sad, and perhaps now you have something to think about, or very problematic, and perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to, so why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at yourpopfilter, email Filter. Email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies taste buds
0: we are often quick to point out how all women are constantly exploited at all times in every movie what about the sex scenes here are they germane to the story or scintillating fluff
2: yeah i'm like i'm confused about this as well i'm not sure exactly what we're we're doing with these like i'm not sure what this movie is saying about lesbian women or relationships and like it feels like for a movie that is so much about hollywood itself it's hard not to see it as supposed to be kind of like steamy in a ironic like nod to cinemax style way Mm -hmm. but like is that it i mean because it's also supposed to be like a love story so that feels pretty reductive i guess
1: yeah, I think to call it fluff is like a, uh, a tremendous misunderstanding of the movie on all levels, both in just like a surface level, these two people in love and are into each other. And then uh, going into whether you, uh, whatever you want to call dream or nightmare or reality or just, you know, a movie about movies, like I think that you're missing it on all levels. I think that we sort of get both types of sex scenes, of movie sex scenes. We get the. Um, in the bed late at night, dark. Oh my god, what's happening? Um, and then which I think is very romantic. And at that point, we think that this is the reality as far as we know it. Uh, and then we get the hardcore. Let's bone. That you know it ends in a way where like we start to figure stuff out. But I don't think I at no point do I think it, watching this movie is is just like hey let's have more titties on camera.
2: You don't Why? think you don't think there's even like a a nod to that uh, that like that's not even part of the equation at all in a movie that deals with how you know women are Hollywood works yeah well when it
1: gets when it gets less sexy I think that that's like I mean I think that's pointing at the audience and saying you know like what were you expecting is this what you wanted Mm -hmm. but I don't like I don't think David Lynch is the director of Blue is the Warmest Color here saying (laughs) let's just get 14 minutes of nonstop, you know girl on girl action
2: yeah, I don't I think, think anyone there's... would accuse it of of him of, of only doing that. But like, is that my question? Is is it part of the equation? Not is it only I, that?
0: I think it is. like the the intro to the the first sex scene, the the I guess the more romantic one, uh, Naomi Watts, who is she at the time? Betty <laughs> says to Rita, "You don't need to sleep on the couch. Yeah. We can share a bed." And then Rita just gets full on naked and yeah. goes, "Is like I'm gonna go to sleep." There's a huge difference between you can share a bed because the couch is uncomfortable and jumping in full naked and it does feel like that is mocking other movies that have that no tongue
1: in cheek but i think it's important to also look at what naomi watts is wearing you know like they are two parts of the same person because that's sort of how dreams work and mike you asked us about identity two segments ago and we just refused to answer you (laughs) but i guess you
0: ran off as fast as you could
1: i I, we can do it now of like if you uh i think is, is it more crazy for um laura Haring to get in bed naked or then it comes to betty and she's wearing like old man giant pajamas you know and just <laughs> showing how like there's something in between here that's right
2: yeah it's a, i i think we're we're all kind of agreeing at, as if we're not which is that right. because i you're not saying that no part of it is also a nod to that but i just think that it it is part of the equation and i wondered at different times watching the movie whether or not um, at any point like one of these women was supposed to be like a stand-in but like, you see the women shifting around a lot but is the director also kind of in the mix you know like is he also one of the aspects of of the women in this because it, there is like ryan you talked about earlier the part where you see naomi watts sees the, the director justin thoreau for the first time and they like lock eyes and it is like that big dramatic swell and then later the story about how diane and camilla met it seems to be that day uh that they meet and i wondered if the, you know and he is literally in between them in that scene like he is sitting so that if they were to lock eyes they would both kind of be looking at him as well and i wondered if that entered him into the realm of like i don't know part of the the doubles or
1: it's it's a really good question and just sitting here like trying to uh, you know pay attention to you made me think that if what if the only real the, like the closest thing that we have to reality is just Diane and her neighbor yeah and like Camilla is just this like idealized thing that she made up and you know like th- that was the only love story that actually exists because again at the party I don't it doesn't seem like they're doing anything that like they, they're they're acting towards each other in a very like oh, showy fake way uh-huh. but um, I've seen a lot of people in real life and I, you know, it's, it's just my reality, but I've seen a lot of people do that too. So I'm not sure.
0: You, you mean showy fake way between, uh, Thoreau and Camilla
1: Camilla, like should, showy, you tell not,
0: not digging into Naomi Watts and it has together, like, they're she
1: they're is not a together. thought in either one of their minds.
0: Right. Only Kako. And that scene notices Naomi Watts is right. upset.
1: And now she's playing the director's mother and she's seeing, oh, Camilla got you a lot of parts. And so now you think that that me, oh, okay. Yeah. I, now now yeah. I'm going to touch your hand. Because I, I see that in your head, you have built up this entire right. relationship that you really right. don't
2: have with her. And then you do feel like there is something about their relationship that's
1: a betrayal towards you, but it's just in your head. Mm-hmm. And I then think what the, happens the second that happens? everything goes blurry again. Like for for the first time since the masturbation scene, now everything is unclear again.
0: Yeah. it, It is interesting that Coco does that. Like, Oh, the, Oh dear hand there. And she's also in the first part of the movie. She's the landlord friend of the aunt. And when she sees Rita is very concerned showing like, reality is breaking through here that Coco will always be concerned that Rita Camilla is in Betty Diane's life (laughs) because of miscommunications. Yeah.
2: Well, she seems to me kind of like she is this custodian of sort of broken women because there's also the like sort of, um, you know, Cassandra Sybil character, the older actress who can like, who like has this premonition that something bad is going to happen. And, um, that same lady like is also administering to her So I wonder if she's almost like supposed to be this like steward for like kind of broken women. And so she like has this, I mean, it almost would be like almost like a halfway house then where all these different women who kind of can't quite live on their own because they have substance abuse problems or because they are are like schizophrenic. Um, And so then she's like seen that pattern before.
1: And I think it's super important to point out too, that uh, Coco and her friend are played by, uh, Lee Grant and Ann Miller but ob- disrespectively uh, and those are if you're David Lynch's age, age those are character actresses from his entire life yeah. and so I think it was very important that he cast Naomi Watts somebody who had nobody had ever seen before at that point to be the lead role and then have all of these faces. The room at the audition was just full of faces that people grew up with. If you're David Lynch's age, but you have you have no idea what their name is, you know. And then that's so much easier to place as like the, you know, all of Dorothy's farm hands that are also yeah. in Wizard of Oz uh-huh. uh, or in uh, in Oz, um, but but still keeping Naomi Watts' face completely new to you in every scene.
0: What do you think the movie is saying about like boundaries between fiction and reality? especially has they intersect with Hollywood's treatment of women.
2: Yeah. I was, that makes me think of the, again, the audition scene where, um, that like, uh, Betty is going to read for a part and in the part, she's kind of being like sexually harassed. And then in the reality of them all standing around there, they're all like all, not only is she pawed at by the actor, but she's also pawed at by like kind of the producers. And she's like almost literally like past, around to the different guys and i when you think of that being like the part that she's playing is supposed to be that way and then really that's going on in the reality of that scene as well and then you could probably you could take it other dimensions as well i think and be like, well
1: i mean greg you talked about heidi fleiss earlier where after that audition which you know is one of the best auditions in the history of hollywood uh, like what we're watching then Uh, her agent or her manager, whoever says, now I'm going to take you across the street. And now you're going to do the same thing with somebody else. You know, like uh, we don't even have time to talk about that part. It's just time to move on to the next John. (laughs) Did you, I thought her
2: performance in that scene with everybody around was bigger, but I felt like it, The her performance when she's just doing it in the kitchen with Rita was actually the best. Like that was at that point in the movie, you had never seen how well Naomi Watts could act that's such an important point yeah <laughs> and then she does it just in the kitchen with Rita and then Naomi Watts is so impressive in this I think we're probably going to talk about that a, a, little, a little bit but she manages to give you that performance which is like among the best she does in the movie but she actually takes a couple miles per hour off her fastball when she's with the guy and the way she does it is by being bigger she has like thought, less fine control
0: you thought she was bigger because she is screaming when she's with Rita yeah but
2: she's like the way she's like very making like so out with the-
0: opera big. And like where the rest is, she but I, I definitely th- think it's worth noting, but I don't know if I'd say the audition is bigger. No, like yeah, she just completely flips the guiding emotion.
1: I, I, yeah, I think the audition is a little more subtle, but I will give it to the the scene with Rita where because we're so fucking we're we, we have no idea what's going on, we believe right away that she's screaming at Rita, in yeah. you know, like those are her actual right. words. And then she's like and then I run up and I'm like, Cut, 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 I hate you. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> and they both start laughing at how dumb it is. She's, how dumb pretending to be somebody else could be.
2: She's yelling more in the in the, the kitchen scene, but the I think the scene with a guy is just very weird and has an energy that is supposed to be like good acting energy, but is actually not as realistic as the performance that she gives standing in the kitchen.
1: But yeah, I can only imagine watching this movie in two thousand one, having no idea who Naomi Watts is, and when she comes out of the airport saying, "This is the fucking worst actress I have ever seen."
2: <laughs> yeah, this is
1: this is this is terrible.
2: I feel because like he tries. She just is as Betty. Yeah, I feel like he tries, to, especially early movie Betty. I think he tries to give you clues by having really weird ADR and having her, the way she speaks is like someone from, like a, not someone from the 1940s, like a character from a movie in the
1: 1940s. I'm just ever so excited to be here. Yeah, golly well, gee willikers. Yeah. And she, she she won everything because of a jitterbug contest? Ja, a jitterbug uh-huh. contest.
0: <laughs> jitterbug. And it, it is, he's not full on Wes Anderson, but there's definitely stilted dialogue. Yes.
1: It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, right right it's, it's very film. stylized for sure. And that's
0: why it feels like he's, if, not mocking old Hollywood, but it is like, remember how in old Hollywood, it wasn't like act, good acting wasn't natural. It was just like, I'm saying words like this now. And right. they won best actor.
1: And uh, like Ann Miller, who plays Coco, has not transitioned into modern film modern film yeah. acting, right? She's just out there like a 1940s actress. And David, you could you could feel David Lynch on the sidelines of the set just be like, oh, I love it. Yeah. I love, look, this is perfect. It's so weird and I love it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh speed round! you know what that means it is speed round uh gentlemen just go fast you don't have to say your name when this movie goes to the theater it really friggin goes to the theater what are we to take away from the silencio interlude and how does it lead to the rest of the movie
2: oh man i love the silencio interlude we talked about it a little bit earlier i just have to say that uh that there that woman is referred to as uh Ya La Llorona of like West Los Angeles or whatever, which is the crying woman
1: and then her song is the all blue hair? No the, one, no, the one the one who
2: actually it. sings the song.
1: The, they sort of like almost drag in as if she's one of those strung out people that we yeah. were talking about earlier you know and then
2: she sings or seems to be singing that song and it's all about right. crying and the two of the <laughs> women are, are crying at the same moment and i i feel like it's right. it's amazing it blows you away but then also what's important about it is i, I think they're figuring out at that moment that their relationship is at cross purposes like that they one of them is deeply in love and the other one is kind of like this is cool uh uh, (laughs) and so they sort of what they realize is that their relationship is tragically mismatched and broken and that's why they're like absolutely sobbing um it's such an effective like moment in the film it It really is
1: and it does show the difference between eraser head in this movie because eraser (laughs) head also has a scene where they go to the theater and watch crazy shit and what's it like in eraser head though Dude, it's <laughs> not it's just read a the Wikipedia. It's a t- <laughs> not it's a tiny woman jerks. under under a radiator uh rocking ass but uh just weird cheeks. <laughs> this this definitely uh, this definitely flows with the story of uh, More, believe it or not. And the other thing it made me realize is though although this is not a movie theater, it is a theater. And another clash between all the things that the movie's trying to say is the only times that we run to the darkness. This uh this feels like I'm trying to like i'm phrasing this to earn a point Why? mike <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man i was about to but yeah. now i'm mad
1: the only time which we run to the darkness is to get to sleep or go to the movies otherwise we are running away and that sort of combines the whole fantasy aspect of like can we just get get me the fuck out of my life
0: is it rude to ask have you ever done this before to someone you know can't remember anything
1: yeah <laughs> she forgot right let's give her the benefit of the doubt she forgot that she was an amnesiac i love which how is she's just like double amnesia I don't know. <laughs>
2: I mean, I have to say, I feel like once you started, you would know. Like if you had done it before, I think your body would kind of tell you what. You'd go, or not.
0: "I know exactly what I'm doing." Were your grandparents closer to the ones at the airport or the ones at the end of the movie?
1: Ooh, I had mom's grandparents and or mom's parents and dad's parents. So mom's parents Both. were airport. Dad's parents were, end of the movie.
0: And that's just like, (laughs) yeah, trying to pinch. Just nightmares.
1: Just total nightmares. Just racist, awful nightmares. I never
2: knew any of my grandparents, so I'm going to say like the little tiny ones that come piling out of a cube and scare you.
0: Oh, that's horrifying. (laughs) Who gives the most lynching performance? Not like weird, but as in like, oh, you're probably only going to be in a David Lynch movie. Cowboy guy. Interesting. I
1: yeah I mean, we know that Ann Miller and Lee Grant they were in movies before they just haven't changed, but Cowboy Guy is a producer, and when he him and Justin Thoreau's conversation uh in like at the huh. ranch yeah. is basically every single conversation I've had with a boss where they don't know how to talk, but they still don't like how I'm a smart uh-huh. I, it fucking hit hard. It's got to be cowboy he just he's reading the words, but he's not he's not making them dance. you know what I just realized he goes up on top of a
2: mountain to talk to that guy and then it's like a place where animals are they're not like slaughtered necessarily but there is that like cow's skull that's all very biblical stuff like you're gonna go talk to God you climb a mountain go hang out where there's a skull that's very middle
0: uh Greg you mentioned the tiny grandparents who remind <laughs> me of those things from Willow what, what what are those
2: little tiny grandparents yeah I feel like um who run out of the the bag I feel like any understanding of this movie is always going to eventually come to a part where you can't encompass it to totally understand and I am sure more intelligent people than I could only viewing the movie figure out exactly what was up with those tiny little people but um, I I don't know other than that it is horrifying and she's horrified <laughs> unto death. Like, she sees them, and they come after her, and her plan is, I'm going to run away and shoot myself in the brain. So, (laughs) well
1: done. I mean, those are from the homeless person, and that's exactly what the guy at Winkies did, right? Just just died right away. Yeah, didn't shoot himself, but just died.
2: They're the people who come in with her on the flight initially, right? Yeah. Mm. I feel like they're supposed to be, like, not necessarily demons, but like demons that brought her here and then usher her away when her, like moment is done or something. Like that's my that that could be my only reason for why they come back.
1: The other thing I would say is that they are they represent this like unachievable goal that like when you're Diane's age, you don't really care about, but once you get older you do. Uh Diane and uh Camilla will never have that. Yeah. Like they, they this is like that's so far like they're driving away from her because that like endless love, you know, like that lifetime love is just something that she's never gonna have, and it literally drives her insane.
0: Is this movie simply about Billy Ray Cyrus being the one to make the hearts achy and or
2: break? <laughs>
1: is it just about that?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great stunt casting, right? You, your brain does not stop for one minute being like, "That's Billy Ray Cyrus. That's Billy Ray Cyrus. That's <laughs> no. Billy Ray." Cyrus. It's like, okay, or at yeah. the very least, I Miley recognize that that's dad. Billy. <laughs>
0: is it as himself because that's really the vibe well I he's, think he's, he's supposed definitely to be a got cool
2: the, guy
1: but he's got the mullet that makes me think it is uh, he's gene not, not even in the bottom 10 performances of this movie like he did a really <laughs> good job of just like mm-hmm. being the kindest most empathetic uh fucking marriage breaker of all time just like no he's hurting right now go to him
0: yeah. <laughs> that's what i want to be someday was this the movie that made jerking it while you cry cool
2: yeah man i think we've all enjoyed no <laughs> uh, that was one of the few things I knew about this movie before the first time I uh, saw it the behind it. the set story or, or I just no I oh. guess I guess just that I heard that there was a scene where it happened and um, it was not what I expected
1: she seemed really upset <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that's not a fun look yeah
0: what's the behind the scenes story
1: well they like they made this ABC pilot and then David Lynch called a bunch of people back together to film these shots. And believe it or not, the masturbation scene was not in the TGIF ABC pilot. Uh, So that was one of the new ones. And what they cut out from that scene is Naomi Watts screaming at the top of her lungs like, fuck you, David. Fuck you for making me do this. I fucking hate you. Like, they're cool now, but... uh, all of everything that she did in the movie was like it felt fine and appropriate, you know, like getting naked, uh, uh, shooting people in the face, handing uh, Ginger's money, using blue keys. That was rough, but or that wasn't rough, but uh, that masturbation scene, like she vomited for the entire day before they filmed it. She didn't want to do it. And does it do a lot for the movie? I think too? it does I mean... a lot for her performance. Like I don't want to like back up Charlie Chaplin. Shooting a dog in front of a kid to get the kid to cry, but uh, Such a baller move. It's it's <laughs> it's the craziest masturbation scene in movie. <laughs> also, like, this. I mean, I'm, out. I'm done.
2: Doesn't it all? <laughs> doesn't it also kind of fit though? Because really, like, it, isn't it kind of making the point that their relationship is masturbatory in a way that, like, it's kind of talking about the way humans interact with themselves even when they interact with other people?
1: Yeah, I mean, all the times that we saw Camilla and. Diane, Betty, whoever having sex, they, it was just Diane yeah. masturbating <laughs> in one way or another. Yeah.
0: Uh, connected. How blurry do your eyes go when you're sadly, angrily rubbing one out?
1: <laughs> uh, I would say very. No? Very. Yeah, very I can't blurry? see shit, which is why I've stopped doing it while I drive. <laughs>
0: That's, you
1: know, and drive. First.
2: <laughs> that feels de- that feels like you should get that looked at. Dri- going uh, that blurry masturbating yeah. while driving
0: or having to masturbate just having your
2: driving. eyes occasionally just go totally blurry
0: with corrupt producers illicit affairs questionable auditions and stilted line delivery throughout the movie what do you think Lynch is saying and in turn the movie uh, about Hollywood's past and present
1: for speed round uh yeah. <laughs>
2: I, it one, thing it, one thing it does very clearly is it, it shows that we have this weird obsession with movies where we want them to be fake, and then we, we say to them, like, you're not real enough. And we want them to protect us with the layers of, of right. fake. We make them do that, and then we get upset when they're not real. But the more real movies I've seen, like for this show, honestly, folks, you don't want it. You really don't. <laughs> Some people do. I can, I can take it every once in a while, but the realer a movie is... The more disturbing and terrible it is as an experience to watch.
1: Yeah, Greg is stuck in that valley where <laughs> it's like we watched Breakfast Club and he's like, "Fuck this!" and we watch Come and See and he's like, "Fuck this! Yeah.
2: <laughs> this all <laughs> sucks." It's like Ryan. These directors have so much power over us. It's like you yeah. said, Ryan. Once once you see the blue cube, like once the movie has started, you are probably going to watch it, it till the end, even if at moments you were like, "I really don't want to," because. You have that blue k- cube and that blue key, and you're just like these were made to go together <laughs>
1: I think that uh, I think one of the things that confuses people, like whether they think that uh David Lynch is talking out of both sides of his mouth is that um he's saying that uh movies are good, and Hollywood is bad. Both those things can't be true. Not yeah. all movies are made by Hollywood. He, I think that he he thinks the art of filmmaking is the greatest art that has ever existed, and then Hollywood is responsible for a ton of terrible shit. And if you're going to like it. But movies then on the flip all... side, he I think he's obsessed with Hollywood and all of the darkness that it has to offer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like in sort of like a gossip, like sort of way. Yeah.
0: Do here. And
2: yeah. in that way, I mean he's just totally mirroring all of us. Right? right. Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> Is this your Patrick Feischler? If not, what is? That is the guy who first sees the Mud Gremlin. I
1: think I I think mine's Mad Men. I think yeah, there's a there's this guy who like uh, uh owns like a chip company or something and I think that's what I think of.
0: I th- is he not a stand-up comedian in Mad Men?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like yeah. a rude like pre-Lenny Bruce kind of like insult yeah. comedian. But
2: he'll literally like he will say anything. Oh. And he like doesn't care and he is just so upfront with everybody. He doesn't own the chip company. The chip company hires him to like yeah. be in the commercial. Gotcha. 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 This yeah. totally, for me, though, this is who this guy is. And I think that he, I think he has a little vein of creepiness in him, obviously. But I think that in some ways like, that early performances do to actors, this got imprinted on him. And now he mm-hmm. is, like, remember he was in that, that show Happy as, like, that really crazy, torturing uh, yeah. guy. He, like, now I mean, yeah. the only work he can get is as deeply disturbed people because we well, all is saw that.
1: Is that David Lynch or is that his face? You know, like
2: I think it's a little of both. I perfect think his
1: marriage of the two. I think
2: his face gets you halfway there, but I think s- seeing that guy do this part, I think like imprinted him mm-hmm. with a permanent creepiness. Well, I think
0: Anthony, not Kerrigan, Kiedis? Zaz Zaz from Gotham. No matter what, he's always going to have a core of Zaz there.
1: Yeah, uh, I think for most people, Patrick. Uh, somebody should look up his last name is lost though i think he popped up in lost Uh, and i think that imprinted on a lot of people
0: is it odd or the perfect thing for somebody to have this as their only david lynch experience
2: (laughs) yeah see that's me like i this is the only thing of his i've ever seen and i feel like i get it and i feel like you know i'm a i can say like i'm a fan of his now um, but did I like? Is there anything I have missed from the experience? Do you guys think that you have from your extended experience with him?
1: To me, I can see an argument where it's kind of like reading, having Watchmen be your first comic book, oh. just to show you how highly I hold Mulholland Drive. But uh, I can also see how if, because with Watchmen, like you have to read a bunch of comics from the sixties and the seventies and eighties in order to understand it and what it's doing. But I think that it's not just about watching David Lynch movies before Mulholland Drive. I think it's just about watching movies beforehand. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. if you can watch a bunch of movies, develop the language, understand how to, t- like, uh, how movies work in your brain, and then watch Mulholland Drive, I I think that it can definitely be your first Lynch movie.
0: Yeah, because I think the, uh, there, I think this is his culmination because there's elements of Blue Velvet and... Eraserhead and Twin Peaks in here. Like he, he. There's certain areas he likes to play with, and this is just the best version and combination of all those things. And what so those
1: areas I, are is animated bunnies and their families.
0: It's exactly that. It's exactly that. Why is this movie called neo Noir when Keanu Reeves from The Matrix isn't even in it?
1: Wow, Mike, That's... is this how you want to end the fucking show?
0: No, if your name last name is Lynch, you gotta like consider changing that. Yeah. For at least a little bit right
2: <laughs> isn't it like wouldn't you <laughs> wouldn't you just be like you know what that's a this is a nasty word i'm gonna let's change to something else don't we still have a city called lynchburg yeah i know lynchburg tennessee like w- tennessee maybe
0: that's where it, there's a drink called lynchburg lemonade yeah.
2: think about changing it i don't lynchburg know just think about
0: it lemonade. about changing it that is the end of speed round we are going to take a break when we come back awards and we find out who won the show I have the envelope, please. It's hard to believe, because we obviously feel so highly about this film. Uh, the Oscars gave it absolutely
2: nothing. No, uh, not even Best Picture?
0: Not even a Best Picture not. Whoa. So we're going to fix that today and give it
2: best several.
0: Picture. <laughs> it, is, it is, you know what? It is the Best Picture this week. <laughs> Inarguable there. It wins that. What would you say the most normal moment of the movie is greg uh
2: i think that honestly the most normal moment of the entire movie is the hitman scene um that is definitely the time where like you're like okay there's at least some level on which this is not hell or not a dream this is the kind of stuff that would happen in real life it's very hard to successfully kill somebody in movies it's always like you have the will to kill somebody you shoot them you just move on but it is actually very difficult. It's a comedy of errors. So I'm going to say uh having to trying just to kill one person and then having to kill three people and one rather intelligent vacuum. Murder but at the same time
1: is is isn't it something that would happen in a just a different kind of movie? Yeah. That is it, it it's not like No Country for Old Men with a perfect assassin. It's like
0: It's Tarantino uh, like we said. Like
1: I think honestly, I think it's like uh, real assassinations
2: or like real attempts to kill somebody. Most crime is like the worst plan you could possibly think of executed the worst possible way. (laughs) Like this really seems like how most crime goes to me.
0: Did you just write the log line to most Coen Brothers movies? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ryan, what is your most normal moment?
1: My most normal moment is towards the beginning my most normal moment is towards uh, when Betty says goodbye to her new old friends and they get in the back of their cab. And then we just see them driving through LA a little bit and they're like laughing. And then she touches him on the knee little pats. and they pat each other and there's little pets and they're just like a happy old couple. And you just, even if you've never seen a David Lynch movie before, you're like, what the fuck? Cause her face what, what doesn't the fuck is happening right now. Her
2: face doesn't change. Like when Betty stops looking at her, her face never changes from that moment forward, and so even though it's a smile, it's like it's an increasingly disturbing smile because no matter like where she looks or what she does,
1: her face doesn't uh. change even a little bit. And it's a toothy smile. They don't have the best teeth in the movie. It's <laughs> there's a lot going on. Uh
0: I, I guess pat the little little pats. Little pats feel more normal to me than assassination
2: see and that's so that's so crazy to me like because i know it, it seems like outside of the course of normal life but that is something that normally happens every day and i think that's part of his point like that's as much yeah. a legitimate real part of life as like these airport you know partings
1: and this is like this is basically what blue velvet is about but it like david lynch gets off on the fact that Uh, real life like 1950s classic life is way scarier than anything he can think of
2: yeah you know but that normal lives alongside the extreme abnormal so how can it be normal right like right which is
1: which is why every movie that he uh makes has an underground yeah you know that is just Uh that is just living alongside the upper ground the overground the The ground.
0: ground biggest scare starting with ryan
1: Oh, this to me is the exact opposite of what I just said. This is the two grandparents that we just talked about, uh, arms wide open, Creed style, coming at Naomi Watts as hard as they can. It's
2: are these the, same, these the same? These are the same people, right? Yeah.
1: As far as we know, yeah. I mean, like, they're the same actors. Yeah,
2: that's what I meant. Yeah, okay. Something about what, right. what you said, I wondered if, if you thought they were different people. Because well, the first time I watched it, I was like, who are these people again? Are they supposed to be the ones that own this house? But no, they're just the people that were flying with her early in the movie.
1: And just it's it's two types of horrors: one, anything that's like that close to me, especially during COVID, like get the fuck away from me. And two, it reminds me of certain types of grandparents that I had. That uh, I was just like, oh, let me squeeze and kiss. Things. Yeah,
0: put your like, cheeks. But fuck away from you. me.
2: How about I just shoot myself in the brain?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Grandma Greg, what was your biggest scare? Um.
2: The scariest moment from this entire movie, and it's maybe less scary when you know it's going to happen, is the tension that builds up in the Winkies scene where the guy's like, you know, it's right—he's be- right behind this place, um, mm-hmm. and then the way he describes what's going to happen, and then you watch it happen. And I think there's a, a, an extra layer of... There's things he doesn't describe, but you watch him realize that they're just like from the dream. Like when he sees the mm. entrance sign. When he sees the phone, you can tell the phone freaks him out. When he sees the entrance sign, it kind of freaks him out. Um, and there's a lot he sees in that that you don't perceive. Um, but when they're walking down, and it like the tension just keeps building, part of you is like, nothing's going to happen because there's not it's not this right. type of movie where when that lady dirty dude, whatever rolls out from behind that thing. That
1: is the scariest moment in the history of movies, dude. And go, going back to California adventure, that is dark ride style. Like that is how things flip out at you when you're yeah. on a Disneyland dark ride. And,
2: Uh, you only get the briefest look at the the person and but you for whatever reason you just have to press pause and if you look at it long enough it begins to seem absurd but in that brief moment you get you don't you like you see this weird half smile you see dirt you see like what looks like carbuncles like you're like what am i even looking at here and then it's gone
1: and burnt so much it seems like it feels like crispy and
2: it seems like only the guy that had originally seen him only that guy actually sees him in that scene. The other guy yeah. doesn't seem to. So it's like it, that is an extra layer on it.
0: I get, I get the the mud gremlin. The tension building up to it is very scary, and you can see he's scared. But I, it didn't have the same like grab your guts the way three inch tall grandparents did for that. Those I don't want Thumbelina grandparents, and nobody should ever right. have to see them. Holy moly! So unfortunately, Ryan gets that point. I gotta Cringe. start
2: winning these awards. Jeez, I'm so bad at this part of it.
0: Well, make me cringe, Greg. Make <laughs> me cringe. Uh,
2: the audition scene was very cringy for me. Um, it, I think it's supposed to be. I don't know that in this award, it, it's it's only unintentional cringe that counts. Um, but I do think there's an additional layer of like you know that guy really is touching naomi watts there really Mm -hmm. are those type of people standing in a bigger room than the one that that those people are in um you know naomi watts has been cycled out of uh, of the types of roles that she could occupy in 2001 and so now the real person has like been shifted down Mm -hmm. along the role so uh that audition is the one for me
0: yeah, there's also cringe even when she's like taking control when she grabs his hand and like grabs, oh, yeah. makes him grab her butt yeah. to be like, no, the scene's going a different way. It still feels like she's quote-unquote in control, but she's like, I'm doing this because this will get me
2: the scene. And he's so leathery. They picked a really good yeah, guy d- to have like opposite her.
1: We talked about him a little bit before, but fucking only. And like I, I, I'm not saying this is like an eye-rolling phrase, but just from experience and watching movies, only in Hollywood do you find a guy who is... I guess technically handsome, but that old and looks like that. Like that person does not exist on any other place on earth yeah. except for here, of just like dark brown fried skin, yeah. but the hair is combed nice and he's wearing makeup. And I don't know how to feel about it. And he, like,
2: it's- he kind of acts charming, but that part of his charm he every once in a while is says something to make you feel really uncomfortable it's and that's sleazy yeah. as and much. it's part of the joke and then yeah it's like there's so many layers to that and it really is just so deeply uncomfortable. Like he did you read
0: the, the guy in uncut gems who wants oh, to call oh, yeah, Julie. <laughs> like they're they're very similar vibes.
1: Did you recognize the director from that scene Mike? No. The director not the actor that she's acting with but mm-hmm. the director is James Karen who is the guy from the opening and from the entire film of uh, Return of the Living Dead, the guy who's trying to like, the guy who knows uh, about Night of the Living Dead and then
0: who like, he's like, want to see a zombie. Yeah.
1: Want to see a zombie. <laughs> and do you want to start a whole horror movie? That's the guy who plays
2: the director. Yeah. I liked the, the things the director said I, in the universe of the movie, everyone seems to think they're so cheesy, but I kind of thought they were cool. Like the things that he said, yeah, don't make it real until it's real. I don't know. I I, I know that that's like inscrutable in a way. It's like hard to take that as advice, but I think that there's a a kind of a kernel of sort of like something interesting about, about acting. Like,
1: I think those are all notes that either Lynch has been given by studio uh heads or Lynch, Lynch, the Hollywood guy has given to Lynch, the artist, like (laughs) internally he has given himself that note.
0: Ryan, what is your biggest cringe?
1: I think it's hard because Lynch is so, tries to be like so timeless. Like, it's hard to like put a date or even an era on his movies. And typically it's like, oh, that's how it used to work before. That makes me cringe. So I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to say, because Lynch, I think, is so smart and so subtle and just never broadcasts, except for in the very beginning where Betty loses her luggage. And it's because the taxi driver has taken it and put it in the taxi. And now, for the foreseeable future, Betty or Diane doesn't have her baggage mm-hmm. <laughs> that now she is she is baggage free and go about her detective story and i think it's lynch with a little bit too heavy of a thumb on the the punny symbolism
0: interesting i'll have to ponder that <laughs> one
2: we're gonna play to the cheap seats <laughs> oh it doesn't
1: it doesn't seem like you will
2: <laughs> i'll think about this <laughs> <laughs> pound. two shows from now you know what i was like i was really <laughs> mulling over something <laughs>
1: Mulholland Mulholland, driving, driving number or something. There
0: you go. Ryan. Hell yeah. Same joke, same time. (laughs) Pound for pound performance, starting with Ryan.
1: I know that we're trying to give this to more supporting people, but uh, the range of Naomi Watts in this movie, I think it's impossible. And I think that she's also, I think this might be the first time that somebody has crossed over and done both the David Lynchy weird like acting like the cowboy and Coco and all the stuff she does in the beginning. And then also at the same time, giving a truly great performance. And I know that he's had Laura Dern in a lot of her movies. And Laura Dern is our favorite person of all time. But I think that Naomi Watts is now the queen of not just acting, but like being in a David Lynch movie. Like, I think that watching her go from Betty walking out of the airport to the audition scene to uh, Diane in the kitchen at the end, it's it's really hard to not give it to her.
0: Greg,
2: yeah, for, try not to. For me, it, uh, it's the scene. It's seeing her do two different readings of that weird. You're, um, you're on my. You're my dad's friend, and you're trying to sleep with me. Scene that she does the one that she does with Rita, and then the one that she does with Old Leatherface, um, and just like realizing that in the course of this movie she has been able to like affect a bunch of different types of performances and then shift gears. And then when you get to where she's like, finally, um, Diane, like then like, it's like, she's like unfettered, just completely naturalistic acting. And you're seeing like that she's capable of like actually becoming this person. And it's just so cool to see all those different speeds in one performance. I feel like you, you know, (laughs) most movies you get one type of performance, not a different one for every scene.
1: Yeah. Once we get to her in the booth with the assassin, like now she's just in every nineties movie that we've ever uh-huh. <laughs> seen, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's refreshing, even though that's typically terrible. It's refreshing because of all of the other stuff we've gone through with her. Uh, it was, it was impressive.
0: Yeah. She, I feel like she's somebody you have known, but never paid attention to. And this movie proves why she was in everything for so long. Uh, but you guys tie that way. So it's Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> and I get the point director's signature moment great okay
2: so this one is a little tough for me because i've never seen anything that he does but i'm gonna take a stab at it because i have gotten the feeling hearing through the internet that maybe there's a lot about coffee in twin peaks and when this movie has gotten so real to where you're like really beginning to think like okay am i dealing with just like diane who is like has mental illness and uh is like has made everything up until now or what exactly is going on she goes through the process of making a cup of coffee and the movie so lovingly shows her making the coffee and then like all of the coffee filling the uh like the the pot and it just felt like a very um, lynchian homage to a cup of joe
1: which I think that if we were more Lynchian scholars, you know that there's there's probably a lot that we're missing, not from like themes or whatever, but just like of all of the repeated motifs uh-huh. and lines and characters right. that uh, we don't really know about. Yeah, it's kind of a guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing. Ryan, what is your director's signature moment?
1: There's a lot here. Um, there's a lot of. St- I really appreciate how he wants to take you to a new world, but will spend no money on it. Uh, <laughs> And like, I bet uh, producers appreciate that too. But like when um, Rita Camilla opens the blue box and then the camera, they just put the camera <laughs> into the box. And then, yeah, and then it, just, it totally it's makes dark. the
2: being John Malkovich sound. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and I love that shit, but I have to go back to what we've been talking about all night and what Greg is talking about too with the Diane in the kitchen, just that edit of Diane, Camilla, Diane, Diane, like mm-hmm. that, that's the most upsetting thing that you can do to your movie brain.
0: Those are all great and maybe Lynch just has too many it's it's hard for it to not be silencio
1: for silencio. me uh, especially it, with the eraser head connection
0: especially with the eraser head connection but just like how unsettling everything is and then the blue hair who looks like she's going to thumbs down and somebody's going to die in the corner like it has the same vibe as the the person in the wheelchair behind Justin the negotiation uh-huh. like it just keeps flashing it's those little flashes to like a creep
1: uh but Do you know what- you know what I love about the Oscars Greg is how when the presenters come out and they read the nominees <laughs> and then they'll be like, "But I don't like any of those. Here's what the None actual is." Beyoncé. Beyoncé had I the best music video.
0: Do it twice in a row. So Boom. it is the Coffee Shaka Laka. Those are your movie of the year awardees from a Holland Drive. We take a quick break, actually reveal who won and talk about how this might do in the finale. So it seems like you guys are pretty big fans of this movie. How do we, without revealing too much leg, think it's gonna do in the finale?
2: <laughs> without revealing too much leg. I you know, we've been blown away by a few different movies um this year, but this one has a little bit of the smell to it, I have to say. Like I, I think that in a few weeks when we get to the finale we are still going to be excited by the types of questions that are left over about this movie. And so we're going to want to have more time to talk about it, more time to think about it. Um, I don't think it's the slam dunk 2001. If you like before you've actually seen all the movies, but having just seen it, it feels not like a slam dunk, but it feels like a very, very strong contender. And Ryan has said multiple times that it's the best thing he's ever seen, including, um, his wife's face. My butt. <laughs> My butt. <laughs> Classic
1: Borat too.
0: In theaters now, Ryan.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I know that like every time we do one of these shows, we're just so a lot of times we're like hot and heavy about the movie, and that dissipates. But also a lot of times too, it's not about like what is what we think scholarly is the best, yeah. Movie, but also what represents two thousand one to us, and then also. Mm-hmm. What do we have more of a personal connection to? And Mohall and Drive does a lot of pushing that shit away, like it refuses to choose a year to live in, right. you know. And it also is hard to make a personal connection to that is like that's personal and universal all at the same time. So that kind of stuff could hurt it in the bracket, but also this year had Spirited Away. So I right Ooh, now I, I like yeah. I think it's up in the air, but so I, I'm I- I'm definitely pushing.
0: I think it does have a personal connection for me because uh, the last time I saw my dad, he told me if I made the decision he wanted me to make, I would only see him once. But if I didn't, I would have to see him twice. And that's so threatening. I took myself out of the decision. I didn't make it either way. And I've never seen him again.
1: See, my dad said that I'm not going to see him unless the Mulholland Drive wins the pennant.
0: (laughs) Oh, that! I think you just have to flap your arms up and down. Oh, is that and it? Then it? Will yeah, that now it'll happen.
2: My dad said uh, I wasn't going to see him if he saw me first.
0: Oh, that's the most threatening. Yeah,
2: that's very dark.
0: I believe. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see in a few weeks how how it actually takes. I don't know. Maybe Donnie Darko.
1: I was just going to say. Here's, here's what I do, here's what down. I do know. Having not watched it in a long time, Donnie Darko not going to win. <laughs> yeah, dude. I kind of feel bad for Donnie Darko.
0: <laughs> yeah, going through. Uh, descriptos reviews of the different movies it really does feel like if you think donnie darko is very smart you fucking hate (laughs) mahal and (laughs) dry
1: and we have so much awesome stuff coming up in the season right like not to be a shill but oceans 11 and Etu mama tambien these are great movies donnie darko is gonna get watched by us as well you mama tambien (laughs) could also sneak in yeah dark horse because he
2: directed 2000 and Nineteens winner that's true he already
1: has one yeah. oh. on his belt
0: let's see if the, the the voters will take that into contention when they have to vote again uh, and the only the reason part- he doesn't
1: have a third is because we haven't done the year that prisoner of azkaban came out <laughs> yes because that's gonna take shit down
0: that'll take it all down ryan you were the champion last week how did you feel coming into this week what did you do to prepare
1: I watched the movie two and a half times. I almost watched the ABC pilot, but uh, I read that it is everything that's in, or it's a lot of, all of it is comprised of stuff that's in the movie, but none of the good parts. And it's truly hateable. <laughs> and Dave, David Lynch, like uh, asked the world to not watch it. Oh. And so I respected his wishes. Um, but yeah, this is.
2: That sounds like, I'm please don't say... look at the naked pictures of me. Yeah, please yeah. don't watch that. That's a 7 to-
0: <laughs> <laughs> But vote November 3rd.
1: I, 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 uh, this conversation with you two, my two bestest friends, and the two smartest people that, uh, know about movies that I've ever met has only made my feelings for this movie stronger. This is in, uh, my top 50, I would say, top 40 movies of all time. Uh, I, I definitely think it's the best movie for Moody, movie of the year we've ever watched. And I'm a fan. And I think I did good, and that I prepared by watching it. What was your question?
0: Yeah, I was yeah, how did you prepare? What was your mentality coming in, but you were just like re-reviewing the movie I think that was and...
1: very fitting, actually. I think that's the way we Shames. handled a lot of the yeah.
0: questions tonight. <laughs> I'll ignore that, but talk about that I think stuff for
2: a while. I think probably Ryan won, but I decided I didn't care. didn't ask. I decided I didn't care who won ahead of time. And then the game started, and then I decided I did care, but it was already too late. Mm.
0: i do I do like that you decided. I was going to ask you the same question or how you felt about it. I just thought uh, everybody should have equal amount of, of time
2: to talk on the show. I was right? going. I, just I was going to I ask I would, you questions. I would like. I would like ten. I, 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 I should get to respond to his. I should get time. to respond to Greg. Greg I don't please. think he should get more time.
0: <laughs> Ryan is thirty. Greg is twenty-seven. <laughs> That's who won. Greg was right. Next week we are watching Ocean's Eleven. Until then, keep watching the movies.